Welcome to another episode of Splice, Splice together. 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 I'm Harper. I'm like a mad dog after ball. I'd be all over you like stink on doo-doo. And I'm Michelle. Look, all we're trying to say is stop acting like a turd. And you can tell from our quotes, this is an episode about turds. This is our, <laughs> our poop episode. Yeah, gross. Not really. But maybe doo-doo. one day. We got to bring back doo-doo. Doo-doo. <laughs> stink on doo-doo. Um, yeah. We'll find out what that movie is later yeah. in the episode. <laughs> so this is our July roundup. Yeah. Thanks, Howard. Uh, Movie roundup. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to talk about a bunch of movies we watched in July 2021. Um, Is that the year? Because I I lost all track. (laughs) I mean, the 2020 Olympics are on, so... (laughs) And all these movies we've watched from 2020 are technically 2021. One of the movies we watched (laughs) that I think... Technically, I'm counting for this year. Technically, was supposed to come out two years ago, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, enough of that. Uh, let's just dive right in. Um, so our first movie we watched at the beginning of the month is a little movie called Dead End Drive-In. Yep. Um, this was my pick. Yeah, so take the lead the here. I am the best at picking movies. Well, this is another one where I'm going to eat my words because I really yes. did not want to watch this and I was wrong. So, Dead End Drive-In came out in 1986. It's directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. It's Australian, right? We figured that out. Is it Australian or Kiwi? I I'm think pretty it's sure Australian. it's Australian. I believe you're right. Um, it is Australian, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read the letterbox slogan. There's a party every day, a movie every night, and all the junk food you can eat. What more can a kid want? Except to get out, dude. All the descriptions <laughs> of these mo- these yeah. movie are so p- p- poor. That like that makes it sound like it's a movie about like a slumber party that goes wrong with children. Yeah, there's no kids not, in this movie. Yeah. So I guess the simple version, it's like kind of the not so distant future where there's like economic crisis and turmoil going like nobody on. Nobody can find a job. Like yeah, a lot of unemployment. Bad. And then these this couple decides to go to a drive-in theater, which happens to be surrounded by military land. And so like, I guess. it's kind of, it's like a weird security thing. Like you have to keep, you can't stop on the road. You have to go straight to the drive-in. Um, but then anyway, at the drive-in, this guy's uh, wheels get stolen and then he basically ends up stuck there with his girlfriend. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like you, they wake up the next morning and the guy at the concession stand is like, well, here's your meal tickets. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, here's how it works. And you guys live over there and you just live here forever now yeah. at the drive in. And he's like, what he's do like, you mean? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> he's like, you can't leave. <laughs> so essentially, it's like they trap like low life teenagers by when they're at the drive-in they like yeah. steal their wheels off the police steal the wheels off their car 
And then they yeah. just sort of have this weird like prison society inside mm-hmm. the drive-in. Really bizarre concept. Super bizarre. But it totally works. It shockingly works. <laughs> it, yeah, this movie, what I wrote in my review is that Mad Max plus the Warriors plus socioeconomic prison industrial <laughs> complex equals dead and driving. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think anybody in this would be recognizable um, cast wise, but. Uh, what about all our Australian listeners? Just Ned kidding. Manning? Has yeah. he been in anything else? <laughs> anyway, this movie ended up being lots of fun and I really liked it. And like I we agree. said, it it really dives into like the class structure and unemployment and like even immigration to a point. Um, yeah, yeah totally. White racism. racism yeah, white like, <laughs> so I didn't know it was a thing in Australia. Oh, I guess we did. We, yeah. After, uh, not, what's that, what was that movie? Night, uh, Nightingale. Nightingale, yeah. yeah racism against aboriginal yes um but yeah this movie is shockingly very smart yeah uh about like the prison industrial complex and about like the criminalization of the poor yep um but it also has lots of explosions and car chases (laughs) and people saying stuff about turds (laughs) yeah that quote came from this movie yeah but i think my favorite part is kind of like it's just very straightforward like I guess comedic wise, like because the manager, he's just like, "What do you mean? Like, <laughs> like you're just stuck here?" Yeah. And he's like, no, "You, live you here now. can't leave. You just can't." Yeah, <laughs> There's like, like no uh, explanation. You just can't leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I really like that. Yeah, and I like how his girlfriend like slowly goes from being like a goofball to like a uh, white supremacist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, actually oh. like a white power rally, and she's like. We're going to the rally, aren't you coming? He's like, no, that would be like awful. Like, we can't blame our problems on other people. Yeah. And she's like, why? Like, yeah, that turd <laughs> quote we play at the beginning of the episode. The yeah. next line is, "Us whites have to stick together." <laughs> so don't be such a turd. Yeah. So anyway, this movie ended up being great, and um, I'm, we need to buy it. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, it's on Arrow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. This is a worthwhile watch, and it's an uh, it's a, an, a must own for us for sure in the future. I also have to add it to my movies with movie theaters in it. <laughs> yeah, Ozploitation movie. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not straight horror. Um, it lists as sci fi action horror. I wouldn't list it as sci fi either. I mean, it's well, clearly, it's supposed to be kind in the future. Yeah, but there's nothing apocalyptic sci fi. Science fiction implies science. There's nothing science. There's a computer about. program that tracks people. Yeah, that's not science fiction. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't eighty-six. Uh, but yeah, this movie's great. Yep, highly recommend. I gave it a four star. I gave it four stars as well, and we watched it on Tubi, so you can Tubi it too for free. <laughs> if you don't mind watching a couple of weird ads. Yep. Next up, we watched one of my recent favorites. Not recently came out, but recently that I fell in love with this movie. That's Blood and Black Lace from 1964, directed by Mario Bava. Uh, this is Italian. Yeah. Oh, is it? Italian. Is it ever? Yeah, I watched this when you were in Greece, I think. Just yeah. kind of on a whim because it was on Shutter, and I was like, "Oh my god, this movie's amazing!" I've been trying to get us to watch it forever, and we finally bought it from Arrow, and uh, so we finally watched it. Arrow, um, please sponsor us. Yeah, please <laughs> keep spending money on your website. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's directed by Mario Bava. It's about, uh, well, yeah, this, this tagline, guaranteed, <gasps> exclamation point, the eight greatest shocks ever filmed. I don't know if that's really Were true. Were there eight shocks? I mean, there's eight kills, I guess. 
Um, yeah, there's a little dead body in the poster. So, Inspector <laughs> Sylvester uh, is assigned. That's a great name. Inspector Sylvester <laughs> is assigned to investigate the violent murder of a fashion house model, Isabella, by a masked assailant. As the investigation proceeds, all of the house's various sins, including corruption, abortion, blackmail, drug addiction, begin to come to light. It turns out that Isabel had kept a diary detailing these vices, and now every employee becomes nervous. And so they're all trying to get this diary because everybody's got their secrets. Yeah. So it's basically like a murder mystery um, with a lot of like soap opera-y like drama behind it, I guess. Yeah, that's how But it's definitely feels. a horror movie too. Like the kills are pretty, um, I don't know if they're violent, but they're kind of extreme, I guess. What were some of the good ones? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I mean, there's the one on the poster where there's like, is like that weird like torture device that had like the spikes on it. Yeah. Um, there's, I'm trying to remember, man. Like, they, they drown somebody in a bathtub. Um, man, there aren't, there's definitely a bloody one and I don't remember. Well, I'm trying to remember now. what the first one is. They kind of just grab her from the woods. Yeah, I can't recall. Anyway. It's not particularly shocking. Yeah. But um, the movie is, well, first of all, this movie is like one of the, um, most important, uh, like, um, well, I can't remember the word I'm looking for. It's basically the start of the Jalo movement of films. Like, this is one of the earliest black gloves, super colorful, ultra stylized, uh, mystery horror movie that, you know, yeah. things like Suspiria and Deep Red and Bird of the Crystal Plumage, all that stuff came. I've only out of this. seen three now Mario Bava movies. Yeah. It's probably the best of those three. This is my favorite for sure. When you've had, I'm really I irritated. I need to see some others. We, neither of us liked Bay of Blood. I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. I'm really frustrated that you, the version of uh, Black Sabbath that you saw is was like a really messed up, edited, American edited yeah. version of it. Because I really like that movie. I also want to see Black Sunday. Black Sunday is really cool too. And Shuck. I haven't seen that one. That's on <laughs> Shutter, I think. Yeah. Um, a bunch of his are on Shutter now that I need to watch. But anyways, this movie is, I love this movie. I think it, it's got some of the coolest stylized stuff ever. Yeah, definitely has a lot of style going for it. And like with all these Italian giallo movies, they're very brightly colored. It's very colorful. It's very like sexy and like fashion-y and uh, <laughs> like... Uh, Sex fashion I don't kills. Know the vi- I mean, it's got a very particular <laughs> vibe to it that I really like. Um, the opening credits are so cool. Yeah, and we watched two different versions of the opening credits. Yeah, there's like an animated version of yeah. it. It's the also cool. Yeah, it's fine, but yeah, I like the original. Yeah, it's like it shows, their, it's like the camera pans from one side. It's to, almost pans, like a dollies, soap opera opening. Very much. Where it's like introducing. Yeah, dollies <laughs> through like mannequins and then yeah. like the actor will be like standing there and their name With will like pop up. like their spotlight. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Um, but yeah. I dig this movie a lot. Did did it did I overhype this one or did you enjoy it? I don't think you overhyped it. I enjoyed it. Um, but I probably don't like it as much as you. Sure. So sorry, Harper. That's okay. <laughs> it's still a cool movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I uh I love this movie. I think it's a masterpiece. This is a five star for me. I give it four stars. It is also on Tubi, but we bought it yes i bought the it's not listed on shutter anymore no originally was on shutter that's where i saw it the first time but so two good movies in a row yeah that we agree on yeah so next is a triple feature oh snap 
uh, a new movie, new triple feature. So that is the Fear Street series, which came out this year, directed by, how do you say your last name? Jan-Janiac. Lee Lee Janiak. Oh. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, we get a lot of ladies in this movie. Yeah, it also stars mostly women. Hey, yes. <laughs> so the Fear Street series, there's three movies. The first one is Fear Street 1994. The second one is Fear Street 1978. And the third one is Fear Street 1666. So it's kind of has like a wraparound story but they're all connected um telling kind of the same plot over these three different time periods yeah so the first one 1994 follows a group of teenagers who discover that uh kind of they've always known that their town has had horrifying events and like every now and then there's serial killers killers that pop up and that their whole town has always felt kind of cursed shady side yeah so there's shady side And then the rich part of town is called Sunnyvale. Yeah. yeah. Where like and they just are affluent and prosper off of Shady Side's uh Yeah, stuff. they have like a rivalry, <laughs> but like Sunnyvale always wins out. Like they're yeah. like the rich town and Shady Side is like the poor yeah. bad luck town. So in this first movie, you kinda I'm trying to remember like it turns out that there's a witch's curse on the town. Mm-hmm. And so these group of kids have to figure out the curse and how to solve the mystery well, in yeah. order to break the curse and save one of the main character kind of becomes possessed. Yeah. Well, she, well, she's cursed because she touched the witch's bones yeah. by accident. And then all the, a bunch of the previous serial killers that were cursed by the witch basically yeah. like come out of the grave to attack her and anybody who's like tainted with her blood basically. So I think the two main girls are Kiana Madeira and Olivia Scott, Scott Welch. And you also have Benjamin Flores Jr. Um, who was the, uh, man, there's a lot of familiar, yeah, familiar faces. She's briefly in it. Oh, I didn't know Sheriff Nick good was Ashley Zuckerman. That's his name? Zuckerman, yeah. Huh. Um, trying to think, were there any other people? A lot of Stranger Things people. Yeah, more in the second one, but yeah. Um, but yeah, first one, I'll say specifically about the first one, I, what really, well, it's got great music, which is no <laughs> yeah. surprise. It's, I mean, a big chunk of this, particularly the first two, is like, hey, it's 1994 and 1978. Yeah. Let's blow 50% of our budget on <laughs> licensed music. Yeah, that was my only complaint, actually, that they play only like 15 seconds of each song. It's, it's definitely, like, I'd rather have longer bits. It's definitely <laughs> a little bit of a like nostalgia cheat to mm-hmm. like get you to love the movie, but it worked on me totally. <laughs> um, but aside from that, I thought it was really good. One of the things that I really liked about the first one is that it feels like there's like language and they talk about like drugs and stuff in it. Yeah. But it feels mostly kind of PG 13 for the yeah. first, like, I don't know, 80% of it. Yeah. And then near the end, there are some really brutal, gruesome yeah. kills that really are really shocking. Yeah, they really saved it all for that. Yeah. Like, and because by that point, I'm like, okay, nobody's actually going to die. Like, you know, they're going to keep it pretty somewhat family <laughs> friendly, but uh, definitely yeah. no. But yeah, it's very like shocking. Yeah. Cause you kind of get an opening kill in the beginning, but actually it's a complete like 
I don't know, rip off homage to the opening of Scream. Scream sure. Like it's even like slow mo Drew Barrymore. The way the way she screaming gets screaming with a very, phone like in her hand. Yeah, the way she gets stabbed is very Scream. Yeah, I think that's intentional. Very well, it's ninety four too. When well, did Scream yeah, come out? 90, like ninety four, yeah. I think. So I was actually like the whole time we're watching, I was like, ah, oh, that's like Scream. Oh, this is yeah. Scream. Oh, there's Scream. But it's done in a good way, not like I'm ripping off Scream. Yeah, agreed, agreed. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I've was totally into the first one mm-hmm. and then should we move on to the second one sure. and kind of talk about all of them at the end yeah yeah so fear street 1978 takes place in 1978 at a summer camp called camp nightwing which at the end of the first one they kind of meet someone who was at the summer camp and there was like a giant massacre and then yes. she goes into telling her whole story which is the which whole happened movie. in the 78 so here you get a lot of background information which starting to learn more about the curse, yeah. like understand the curse more. Some, and then you get, uh, yeah, some more Stranger Things people. Uh, oh, and by the way, I can't remember if we talked about this in real life or not, but the camp they filmed is the camp from uh, Friday, Friday 13th, 13th, part six. Yeah, all of this in was Georgia. in Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, mel- the mall from part one and part two. Oh, yeah, Stink is, Mall. That's <laughs> where we go see movies, where we used yeah. to go see movies. It's right down the, the street North from us. The North DeKalb Mall. So that's cool. That was cool. Um, it looks way better in the movies. <laughs> There's no buckets yeah. of Even mud when people water. are getting like, murdered yeah. and it still looks better than yeah. it looks in real life. Um, so 1978, I think we this provides a lot of good background information and more into like the witch and like the curse and kind of like you find out the locations of some of the stuff, I guess, sure. from the past. Like, um, yeah, this camp is in the same place that the mall currently is. Yeah. Like they... But Bulldoze didn't build the mall on it later. And then this whole killer is basically a dude with an axe. It's Jason. Yeah. yeah it's Jason. Um, Killing uh, camp campers, except I guess oh. he can't really show young kids getting <laughs> murdered on Netflix. Come on. I know. You, teenagers, okay, but you, little younger uh, kids, I will not say, so much. Even though they don't show it, <laughs> I appreciate that Like we have an entire franchise of Friday the 13th movies like 10 movies and yeah. in not a single one does an actual camper get murdered. It's always the counselors or yeah. whoever, but in this kids really get murdered. Yeah. You see like Definitely. the aftermath, like the bloody glasses and stuff. Yeah. Ooh, like, boy. Oh, man. Yeah. There's that one, man, who was it? It was some kid we recognized from something. I don't remember now who it was. He's not in it that long. Cause he gets murdered. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Whoa, I'm not didn't sure. expect that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, this one, I went into these thinking this was going to be my favorite and it ended up That's being my least. That's kind of what I thought too. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I can really pin down exactly why I, I will say I like the second one more now that we've seen the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like it feels better in context of the whole story. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it, when we first watched it, I was like, I think I like the first one better. Yeah. I think I, I haven't updated my, uh, ratings i kind of rated them all the same but for different reasons sure but i do think i have a preference we'll go over at the end but i do like all the main characters in this one i like um sadie sink is the actor's name i don't remember the character oh ziggy uh i liked her Mm -hmm. um and i liked is it emily rudd is that is cindy berman she was the her older sister right yeah Yeah. do you think she's related to paul rudd i don't know maybe (laughs) Uh, i liked both of them a lot i thought they were really good yeah um and yeah and i even liked uh the sheriff good as a teenager too was good Mm -hmm. like i liked all that stuff so i mean it's a lot of good things more i think about it the more i'm like i really liked that but at the time i definitely was like i liked the first one yeah 
Um, so I don't know, but uh, it is cool. I liked the second one. It's fun. Yeah. Um, man, I just thought of something, but now I forgot. I don't know. I never got to go to summer camp. Me neither. I guess people I don't know get anybody murdered. that actually did. <laughs> um, and then the third one is Fear Street, sixteen sixty six. So at the end of the second one, uh, the main girl kind of they combine the witch's hand and body, and it flashes her back to what actually happened. Yeah. So we finally get to see from the witch's perspective everything that happened and why the town is cursed. And it like puts everybody, all these characters that we've seen before in the first two parts, play the roles of yeah. the people in 1666. Which I thought was a smart idea because it kind of, the whole theme is kind of like this generational thing thing mm-hmm. too so you kind of get like the family ties all the way back to 1666 well and frankly it makes it more interesting because yeah. instantly to me when when we first saw that these three were coming out we were like oh the third one's gonna suck yeah it's gonna be really boring because <laughs> it takes place in like pilgrim times yeah but it's it's definitely better because they and it's a little more like slightly like modernized i mm-hmm. guess um so yeah this one it takes place in a colonial town and uh Basically, a witch hunt happens because the towns start experiencing like, uh, I don't it's know. Like all their food on is their yeah rotting. Well, the preacher goes nuts. Animals are dying. That was pretty. That was pretty oh crazy. My God, yes. The pre- preacher in the town. Yeah, goes I take crazy that back about killing kids on Netflix. Yeah, those you kids, see a lot of dead kids. In those this kids one. are dead. D a a dead. But yeah, this one. You know, I meant to look. Is this one significantly longer than the other two? Um, it is about two hours. I feel like the others are shorter. Yeah, um, they're a little less. It's it feels longer because the they do the whole story of the witches, and then there's like another 20, then 30 it's like minutes. Fear Street Part Two, 1994. Yeah, they go back to 1994 <laughs> yeah. and continue basically like because I don't, we don't want to spoil it, but by then they figured out what's going on with this curse, and they are trying to. Fi- they know how to stop it. Yeah. Um, my only problem with the 1666 is the whole like uh wood rave ecstasy party. Oh, uh, the, the little the kids getting high in the woods. And yeah, like eating blueberries yeah. and like tripping, <laughs> and it's like what? Yeah, <laughs> like this feels lot. very out of place. But I guess it's supposed to like you know tie it to the modern run. It's I like we're that. young. <laughs> we love to have fun in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was my only part. Where I was like, this is going on too long. I don't care. <laughs> Well, I'll just say, without spoiling anything, hopefully, uh, I do love the way this that the franchise ends mm-hmm. with uh, it becomes very anti-cop and yes. anti-generational uh, like wealth yeah, uh, and very pro-wealth like wealth equality. The way it ends with like mm-hmm. bad stuff starts happening to the rich people and shady side starts becoming like yeah. better again. Also, you get two leading ladies who are gay. So yeah. that was a nice change. For sure. Um, yeah, and it's, it was actually a pretty diverse cast, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, a little. I mean, I guess the main girl and her brother are non-white. Um, I thought her friend was... Oh, yeah, she might be, too. I didn't, I didn't think about that. It doesn't really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it's not, it's not like a plot It's point. not all white and yeah. it's not all dudes, so that's a plus for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I... It's hard to separate them out. I mean, I think I probably like the... I definitely like the first and third ones better than the second one. Yeah. But just, you know, it's really just one big story. So Mm -hmm. as a whole, I really enjoyed this. And it was really cool. It was really fun to have, like, 
this Friday night thing, like every Friday till come Yeah, this is it. probably the first time Netflix hasn't released everything at once. So yeah. I wonder if they're going to try and do more like Which this. Which is very smart. I much prefer to have like the weekly tradition thing. For something like this, a TV show, I'm a little less like, yeah. I don't really care. But for, yeah, the movie thing, I thought it was smart. And it was Well, it fun. worked because you got a bunch of people to watch it, the first one. And then everyone's like, oh my God, what's going to happen in the second one? And then those people who missed out on the first one go back and watch yeah, it. Yeah, there's definitely it a lot of like word, word of mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah, it ended up being a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. So I think I ended up giving all of them three and a half, but I would probably go back and make some of them fours. And I gave first and third fours and the middle one three and a half. Yeah. But there's a lot of good gore. Mm-hmm. Um, plot makes sense. <laughs> it's a plus. Uh, it's modern talking points. <laughs> yeah, no, it ends up. Yeah, <laughs> it ends up being a very clever um, kind of not moral, but like the th- like interesting themes that kind of naturally come out of the story mm-hmm. and make sense. Like looking back at the beginning, they don't feel like they're forced at all, which yeah. is cool. Um, yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it yep. quite a bit. I think these would be really fun to watch. In the only, I, the only way I feel like these could be significantly better is if they'd come out in October. I would have been like, yeah, all over these like stink on dude, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just gonna like drop that in every right. now and then. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> that's my new favorite phrase. Yeah. I'm gonna start saying it. Yeah, I wonder if it was postponed at all because of COVID, or if they had planned it to come out now. But yeah, October would have been more. Seems fun. like an October release. It's weird to come out in the middle yeah. of summer, but whatever. Um, I guess you also can't really watch them chronologically. You'd have to stop the third. (laughs) (laughs) No, you have to watch them in part one, part two, part three, for sure. Um, There's going to be like this whole sub uh, genre, like the Star Wars, where like I recut all three into one simultaneous. Machete cut of Fear Street. (laughs) So anyway, good job, ladies. ladies. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Watch it on Netflix. So next up is one I watched on my own, and that's a hammer movie, but not a horror movie. Well, mm. sort of not a horror movie, called Never Take Sweets from a Stranger. Also, sometimes known as Never Take Candy from a Stranger. Um, it is basically about this small town in Canada where this family moves in because the dad got hired to be the new principal, and their little nice little happy life becomes real messed up when their daughter starts telling about how they, she went to this old man's house and because he gave them candy and asked them to take off all their clothes. As you do. (laughs) Um, Might be a little awkward. (laughs) And then it basically becomes this like procedural where the family is, doesn't know what to do. And because the guy who did it is like the most powerful man in town, he's like, you know, super rich and whatever. Um, And the people, and they're new to the town. So they don't like the cops don't really like them. And so then it becomes this big procedural thing and there's like a courtroom drama part of it. And then the last act of the movie, I'll just say the guy gets off in court and then he comes after the girls again. And Mm. it's one of the most like super intense, suspenseful, like he's like, the guy is this old guy who never speaks a word and he's very kind of creepy. He has like this weird like mouth, leering mouth kind of thing. He's like stumbling after them in the woods and these two girls are like running away. And there's this amazing part they get in this little like rowboat to get across a river to get away from him. And then suddenly you see that the boat is tied to the dock that he's standing on. And so then he grabs the rope and starts pulling the boat in. It's horrifying. (laughs) Um, But this movie is so 
feels really modern and honest and dark in a way that I, you wouldn't expect from a movie from 1960. Yeah, yeah, I didn't say who directed or anything. Um, Cyril Frankel, I have no idea who that is. Um, looks like he maybe did some other, um, done a lot of movies, but was maybe some other um, Hammer stuff. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is very unusual for a Hammer movie. It's not like a gothic horror at all. It's like, you know, real life. Um, but yeah, it's so it's interesting because it feels like it's part like it could have just been like a PSA, really corny, but it's really not. The acting's really good. It feels very genuine. Um, and it has very nice cinematography and music too. Um, so this is kind of a one I bought from uh, Indicator when they had a sale just because I'm, I'm always trying to watch all these Hammer movies. And this is one that I know on Letterboxd had a great review. But I was like, ah, this sounds like it might just be like a PSA. <laughs> but it's um, it's really good. I genuinely, this is probably going on my list of like, um, what's what's the word? Discoveries for the yeah. year. It's just a movie I didn't really know anything about. And I've never heard of it before. It's very good. I think you should watch this. Tonight. I think you would really like it. Um, but yeah, Never Take Sweets from a Stranger. That's a four-star movie for me. Harley is like going all over the she place on, on the table. She has something on her nose too. It's like a little booger or something. (laughs) All right. So what's next? Uh, Next, I watched a movie, a new movie, Zola, which came out, I think, last year in festivals, this year for reals, and directed by Janixa Bravo. So we get another female director. Yeah. Also, a bunch of female leads. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go nuts with yeah. the hey ladies. It's a hey lady episode. Um, so this is this is a true, mostly true story based on a Twitter thread that went viral a couple years ago. Um, so it stars. I don't know nothing about that. How <laughs> you make a movie out of a Twitter thread? I guess you'll tell me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's about a waitress who agrees to accompany an exotic dancer, her put upon boyfriend and her mysterious and domineering roommate on a road trip to Florida to seek their fortune at a high end strip club. Hmm. As you do. Yes. I've been there. So it stars Taylor Page as Zola and Riley Keogh as Stephanie. I could, if you just told me what this movie is about, I'd be like, Riley Keogh's in that, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. That, there, um, if there's a movie about like. Uh, prostitute in some form or fashion. <laughs> Riley Q is going to be all over that. Yep. <laughs> I don't is. know why. It's weird. Um, Coleman Domingo as X. I don't even know if you mm. ever find out his name. Mm. That's kind of an I'll ongoing go joke. I'm start going by X. <laughs> and then Nicholas Braun as Derek, who is Cousin Greg from Succession, ah. playing like a, uh, I don't even know, white trash type of dude. Hmm. Um, so anyway... So the Twitter thread, the whole thing is like, uh, was this a true story or something that was made up? Well, yeah, they explain at the beginning of the movie that it's a true story and they presented it in the way that the Twitter thread did. But the other person is claiming that none of it really happened, Hmm. but she looks the worst in the story. So everyone's like, she's just whatever. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, so Zola, uh, goes on this road trip and it's, really really funny and crazy and it just makes you like oh florida is so nasty like why does anybody go there (laughs) Um, once again florida is a terrible place so yeah she thinks she's going there to just uh work at like a high-end strip club and make some like extra thousand dollars for like one day's work but then it turns out that riley keogh and her roommate uh is her pimp 
and they're going down there to do sex working stuff mm. and tried to rope Zola into it, which she's like, no, I'm not having any part of this. So it ends up just her like standing in the hotel room while Riley Keogh like beds all these gross looking men. Mm. See? <laughs> A lot of full frontal. Yeah. <laughs> Riley Keogh loves doing that. Yeah. And then it's kind of like she realizes like the pimp dude is totally taking advantage of her so she like ups her price and like they make a S-H-I-T. ton of money and stuff hmm. but then uh her boyfriend is very jealous and crazy and then just yeah lots of crazy stuff happens there's a Spring hostage breakers. situation there's like uh <laughs> her boyfriend jumps off a like balcony because he's fed up with her sleeping with other people mm. like it's very bonkers, but my favorite line is when uh, Zola is like dancing in this very like rundown uh, white strip club, and the guy, this really old guy, like with missing teeth, he looks at her, he's like, "You look like Whoopi Goldberg," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "The only one in the theater, like." <laughs> That's really funny. So is over, it, what is this, this yeah. kind of Harmony Corrine? Esque? Is it a little Spring Breakers? It's definitely like Spring Breakers, okay. but with lady. Well, that and has ladies too. Ladies. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's less crazy though. I think, and it's way shorter. It's only like ninety minutes. I, for the most part, enjoyed it. I don't think it would be for everybody. I thought it was pretty funny, but I could see how some people would just be like, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like I would see this and feel the same way that I felt about like. Um, uh, bl- uh, bling ring. Yeah, are we? So- we watched something else. We're like Florida Project. How can? You- yeah, it might be more like Florida Project. Um, See, Florida. Ugh. Yeah, and it's like you don't really like these people, but then you kind of feel bad for them. But it's like all they care about is money. Like, yeah, I don't know. So it's like obnoxious internet uh, or tweeting like people yeah it's hard for me to like (laughs) empathize with that not empathize but hard for me to identify with characters like that i guess if you have a movie based around twitter this would be like this really shows you what twitter is like yeah (laughs) representation of americana (laughs) in the twitter age (laughs) all right interesting yeah what did so did you end up liking it or what What i did end up liking it i gave it three and a half i would probably rewatch it again at some point okay but for the most part it's, it was fine was it cool seeing a theater for a change uh it would have been if the ac had been working Ooh, and yeah. those weird people kept trying to talk to me and mm. i was like stay away <laughs> mm-mm. Mm-mm. mysteries yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know why they were in that movie they did not fit in <laughs> anyway zola so yeah Next. Next up is Shiva Baby, <laughs> by, directed by Emma Seligman. Hey, ah! And starring Rachel Sinat. Hey, <laughs> and Molly. I'm just yeah. Kidding. Uh, <laughs> and written by. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this came out. I mean, this 20, was like another film festival movie. Yeah. I'm counting this for 2021. Yeah, it came out this year. Um, yeah, I'm counting this as 2021. Uh, it is about. A young woman who's a college student. Um, she goes to a family shiva, uh, which, if you don't know, is like uh, it's a Jewish tradition when a family member dies. They, it's basically like a funeral reception kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, With bagels. Yeah, lots of bagels. <laughs> and uh, um, what's the what's the smoked locks? salmon? Yeah, lox. Oh <laughs> my god. Um, 
Anyways, uh, basically, she's just getting constantly like bra- uh, accosted by all her relatives, and eventually, she finds out that the guy who has been her like sugar, sugar daddy. daddy, she's like been using an app to like you know find sugar daddies, yeah, <laughs> to make make extra money and stuff. Um, and her sugar daddy is there and like knows her father and stuff, yeah, and and his wife and newborn child and, yeah, she is didn't, also she there. didn't know that yeah. this guy was married and has a little kid married to like a drop dead gorgeous blonde woman yeah who's also like an entrepreneur <laughs> yeah. like very successful. Super successful yeah um so if you can't tell this is a comedy yes a comedy <laughs> comedy um uh i thought this was great yeah it's really, really good. I kind of wish it was a little longer. I kind of agree. It might be my only complaint about it. Yeah. Uh, maybe not my only complaint, but I, I wish I definitely, it's nice and short, 78 minutes, which normally I'd be like, that's awesome. But yeah, it's so funny and it's a fun world to be around. And I like the characters in it that I yeah. could see it being long, but it's based on a short film. So you get it. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought this has like, all the anxiety of like uncut gems. Yeah. I actually forgot to mention with Zola, it was like, it really wraps up just like this movie, like awkward situations that you're just like stuck in and you have to like, (laughs) you're stuck in it and you just have to see your way out. Yeah. (laughs) How you get out of it. (laughs) I wrote that it's uh, the anxiety of uncut gems with a bisexual Jewish bent. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Definitely one of the funniest comedies I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main girl, is it Rachel Sanat? Yeah. Um, is super brilliant. She's really, really funny. Her comedic timing. And yeah, just it's like, very deadpan too. Very deadpan. And just like everybody <laughs> is constantly like, she's constantly trying to like appease everybody when they're like, oh, where are you working? Like, what are you, what's yeah. your major? And she's like, has to make up yeah. stuff and trying to make herself seem very successful to everybody in different ways and stuff. Yeah. I also really like all the um, kind of extra family members and just like, oh yeah, like are it's we going to become this? <laughs> like, yeah. like when our niece is like 13, are we going to be like, what are you planning on doing in college? And what are you doing? Oh, are you eating enough? What's like, your, oh, you're just skinny <laughs> You look bones. so skinny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it, I think it really captures all of that. It's so natural too. It is, yeah. It's very just like, wow, this is a, this is a real shiva. <laughs> That's the only thing to me uh maybe that took away a little bit is it yeah definitely by the end it kind of takes a turn towards more it gets a little more serious yeah and for a very short little while it loses the comedian it's like that's a problem i have with a lot of comedies that try and do like like you know even we talked about this with like big and like uh coming to america and stuff like they're really funny until they try to be like romantic and serious and mm-hmm. then it's like okay i don't really care anymore this not to that extent in this and it Certainly, it's still funny in the end. Yeah, but um, it gets a little more dramatic for a little bit. Um, but it all works because you've like learned who these characters are, and you're kind of living in that world with them, so it works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is by default my number one movie of the year currently because <laughs> we haven't seen that much great stuff yeah. for Trinidad. I mean, not to say this isn't good, but it's not like a perfect five star for me. Yeah, but it is still the best movie I've seen for 2021 by far. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is maybe like a quiet place part two, which is good again, yeah. but not like amazing. But, um, yeah, I thought this was really fun. I definitely could see watching this again. 
Yeah, I would definitely watch it again. It's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it, especially since it's so short. It's like you could watch an episode of like Succession or you could watch this. (laughs) Yeah, really. About the same. Yeah, yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's really funny. It's very clever. Um, The performances are really good. This is definitely this this director and lead actress both have got for sure like uh, interesting futures. I yeah, would, I was gonna I say guess. there's big things coming to well, the yeah, they're Shiva probably, babies. <laughs> probably, they're probably gonna hire uh, Emma Seligman to do a Marvel movie or something. Definitely, I'd be shocked if that doesn't happen. <laughs> something like that doesn't happen <laughs> soon. Yeah, the movie did pretty well critically, I think. Too, also. So. Great poster design. Yeah, it really is. It's like is. the main actress in a dress made of cream cheese with bagels all over it. Yeah. It's perfect. It's very clever. <laughs> yeah. I like this movie quite a bit. Yep. Um, I gave it four stars. I did as well. Um, next up, let's take a hard right turn, left turn, um, and go to... Uh, <laughs> sorry, Harley's like watching out the window. Um <laughs> Let's go to Korea. Korea. For, hey, Korea. Yeah, we need a, we need a hey, Korea. Uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance from 2002, directed by Park Chan-wook. Uh, or Chan-wook Park, depending on your mileage. Um, <laughs> so this movie has a real complicated plot. Yep. Um, I'll just, I'll see if I can do it as simply as I can. There's a guy, a deaf guy and his sister who needs a kidney transplant. Basically, they try and, um, the Deaf guy and his girlfriend decide to kidnap a rich guy's daughter, uh, Song Kang-ho's daughter, to try and make some extra cash for the kidney transplant. Um, there's some other stuff that happens is the reason why they need the money, but... Um, <laughs> I was playing with a toy very loudly. She's, what is she doing? Every time we podcast, she acts out. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't touched that toy in like two years. Yeah, all of a sudden she decides she wants She's to like, roll a oh. ball around. <laughs> Um, anyways, so they kidnap the girl, something really bad happens and Song Kang-ho gets revenge on yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, what happened to our Song Kang-ho button? Oh, we don't have one yet. Song Kang-ho! We need what to was it? One. He's like, nice. Good job. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. From Memories we'll of Murder. Say it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'll set it up next time. Um, but yeah, so then it sets him off on a path of adventure. So it's a really complicated plot. It kind of goes all over the place. Yes. Um, but this is the first movie in his Vengeance trilogy. Um, I thought Old Boy was first. No, Old Boy second. Um, so, uh, yeah. So bad stuff happens all throughout this movie. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, all, to everybody. Nobody wins in the Vengeance game. Yeah, I would love to talk about it. <laughs> it's hard to talk about this without spoiling some of the major yeah. events in the movie. Um, but like all Park Chan-wook movies, it is ultra stylized. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the most brilliant um, directors in terms of, I feel like every sequence of the movie, he has sat and thought long and hard about how to make this as interesting as possible. Yeah, There's always a scene that could be nothing but just people sitting around a table and talking becomes interesting because he shoots it from a bird's eye view or he transitions to that scene by having somebody who walks through the frame you know, be the crossfade from one scene to the next. There's like always something visually very interesting happening always. Um, and one of the other things I wrote that nobody else will care at all about, but, um, this movie has some of the best, uh, background ambiences I've ever heard in a movie. Nobody cares. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, tell me about the ambiance. Okay. The backgrounds <laughs> in this movie are super, super complex and dense and really carefully put together. There's like, uh, they live in a noisy apartment, which is you yeah. know an interesting 
contrast because he doesn't notice it because he's deaf, uh, but his sister does. Um, but so there's always like weird sounds coming from the neighbor's house and some gross ones that we won't talk about. Um, but there's always like all this stuff happening in other rooms and that's always moving around in the, in the surround sound and stuff. And then um, when you go to like the factory where he works, it's like punishingly loud, these mm-hmm. sounds from the factory. Yeah. And that scene, I was like, I hope they have ear protection. And yeah. But yeah, anyways, it's, that was one thing that really struck me as a sound designer. The background noises are super carefully crafted and really interesting. To me, they added a lot to the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie to me is not not as interesting as Old Boy, but is still very cool and dark and disturbing. Yeah, there's just so much going on in this movie. I, I agree. I like Old Boy more. There's a lot going on in that, but oh. I feel like it's presented in a way. Old Boy is a lot more streamlined yeah. than either of the other two movies in the trilogy, I think. Yeah. Partic- this one's really complicated and meandering and a little confusing at times, to yeah. be honest. Uh, Old Boy is pretty streamlined story. Um, but yeah, so that's Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Watch uh, it on Tubi and Hulu. Yeah, I gave it four stars. I did as well. What's next? I think the next three are all me. Oh boy. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Go so ahead. I watched No Sudden Move, which came out this year, 2021, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Um, hey, Soderbergh. Yeah. <laughs> the cast is crazy. It has Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, David Harbour, Ray Liotta, John Hamm, Brendan Fraser, Kieran Culkin, every single white dude ever in existence. Oh, Bill, Bill Duke shows up at one point. Mm, Bill Duke. We're going to um, talk about him later. Yeah. And it's kind of about a complicated setup of a group of criminals who are brought together under mysterious circumstances and have to work together to uncover what's really going on when their simple job goes completely sideways. Reservoir dogs. Yeah, kind of. Okay. I Um, (laughs) I think it takes place in the 1940s, maybe 1950s. Um, I don't know. It was old cars. I can't remember. (laughs) I feel like when we watched the trailer for this movie, I get it mixed up in my head with the trailer for the new season of Fargo. Yeah, kind of looks have the same yeah. vibe. Um, so the whole setup for this movie is that uh, Don Cheadle and Benicio del Toro and Kieran Culkin are hired to babysit a family while the husband has to steal something from his office that the gangsters want. Okay. Um, but then stuff goes wrong, people get killed, and then there's also like each criminal kind of has their own backstory. And so it's like just creating this huge spider web of like plot that I just don't care about. (laughs) Sounds more like a TV show than a movie. It kind of would probably be better as a TV show because there's just so much they're trying to cram in. And then there's like these little extra things. I, I don't know. They're trying to make commentary on certain things on like how, who's the real bad guys. It's the rich people. Like, I don't know, because Matt Damon shows up and he's like, oh, that yeah, guy, that guy. Did he buy a zoo or something? No, it turns out like the plans have something to do with uh, car parts. And so it takes place in Detroit. And so there's like this thing going on between all the car dealerships trying to buy them. So it's mm. like the head of GM or the head of Ford, like trying to outbid for these fucking plans. Um but I don't know. It just didn't work for me. It was like mm. they crammed way too many people into it. And then the, it was just so overly complicated for no reason. It's like they're trying to make it more interesting than it actually really was. Yeah. So when you finally get to the end, it's like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> mm. I don't know. Like everybody does 
fine acting wise. Brandon Fraser isn't in it that much. Um, that's a minor. That's a yeah. negative. So yeah, I wasn't that crazy about it. It's on HBO. I give it three stars. Okay. Uh, and I guess it also doesn't really have Steven Soderbergh's style. Like I don't. I couldn't tell you what Steven Soderbergh's style. Well, is. like I always meant like Ocean's Thirteen, Logan Lucky. Like yeah, but you got to look. There's also like The Good German and. Sex lives of it. Like I could most of his movies, aside from like his heist movies, definitely have a feel. Magic but, Mike. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his movies are all over the place. He's yeah. got a very hard to pin down. Well, he's usually so good at doing these like big complicated things with multiple yeah, people. That's true. But the way I think it's cut, just it doesn't have the same style. It doesn't have the good music either. Hmm. So Bummer. not my favorite. Um I gave it three stars. It's on HBO. And it was it's like two hours, but it felt longer. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Not. Mm, I'll probably, probably be skipping that I one. I would say you could skip it. Um, so the next movie is Riders of Justice, uh, which came Sounds like out, a line of action figures. Yeah. Cowboy action figures. <laughs> 2020, probably actually 2021, directed by Anders Thomas Jensen, and I think it's Norwegian. I was about to say. It was filmed in Denmark, Sweden. So it's Danish. Hmm. Um, well, that makes sense, I guess, given who's in it. Yeah. So Mads Mikkelsen is in Mads. it. Yeah. I hey, think Mads. I don't know anybody else. He's going to do that for everybody yeah. now. <laughs> um, so this movie is about, well, okay. The slogan is nothing is random. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's all about coincidence or is it coincidence and probability okay but That's it focuses movie. it's not cowboys <laughs> i thought it was cowboys no it's like modern uh takes place in present day uh, mads mickelson's wife and daughter are on a train and then the train gets robbed by cowboys crashes <laughs> Sorry. no and um his wife gets killed the daughter survives and a few other people survive. And one of the guys who is on the train um, is obsessed with probability and figuring out when things. Is it Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic No, Park? it's the guy who looks like Seth Rogen. And it's like Norwegian Seth Rogen. Norwegian Seth Rogen. <laughs> um, but one of the people on the train gets killed is actually like a motorcycle gang's uh ex-member who is about to testify in a trial and bring down like the whole gang. Oh my God, that guy does look just like Seth I Morgan. told you. <laughs> really weird. Um, so this guy is convinced that the train was purposely crashed and that it was actually an assassination to get this witness killed by the motorcycle gang. So this entire like story unfolds where it is just Mads Mikkelsen, his daughter kind of dealing with grief, but Mads is also like a Brit, not, I don't know, Swedish uh, military, like assassin almost. Weird. <laughs> He's like a very high level military person who's in charge of like disarming bombs and killing people. Yeah. Um. So he kind of ropes all of his like friends together with Mads to seek revenge and kill all these motorcycle people. Yeah. But then there's kind of a twist where one of the computer guys, they use like face facial recognition and to determine like 
the guy that they he saw somebody get off the train right before it crashed and then it like matches with someone with like 95 percent certainty that it's the same person and then the twist is like it's not the same person and they've mm. actually had nothing to do with the motorcycle gang and that maybe it was just a coincidence but by that point they've done so much it's like what is coincidence does this matter hmm. if we kill all these people like is it for a purpose or is the whole purpose just made up to deal with grief? Mm. So it gets Sounds very complicated. Yeah. The only stuff I, there's a lot of weird side stuff with the main like computer guys where it kind of feels like a lone gunman X-Files episode. Like that's yeah, who those three that. feel like. Yeah. And that, but they give them like a lot of weird backstory stuff or like, and it tries to be comedic. But I don't think it really translates hmm. well reading it as subtitles. No, <laughs> so maybe, it's yeah. like, I guess that's funny, maybe. <laughs> um, and then there's Danish humor. Yeah. So I thought it was okay. Like it, it just deals, it goes, I don't know, too far with the like probability <laughs> chance crap. Yeah. <laughs> so I only gave it three stars. Okay. Hmm. It could be worth watching, but when I watched it, I was just like, mm, this it's not really hitting too? the mark. Yeah. It's, yeah, comedy action drama, but it doesn't feel like there should be comedy in the movie. Because, <laughs> <laughs> right. like, they're literally, like, murdering, murdering people. people. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Come on, Mads. Mads is fine. Well, he's kind of, like, cold-hearted and Does has no feelings. No. Bummer. Yeah. Another round, way better. Watch that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And then the next movie, Body Heat, 1981, directed by Lawrence Kasten. Um, so I ended up loving this movie. <laughs> Tell me again, what, what did we figure out Lawrence Kasten had done? Lots, uh, of, lots of stuff, right? Big Chill, Dreamcatcher, nothing else we've seen. I thought he was a producer on like oh, some he major, like been. Indiana Jones or Star Wars or something. I think he did write for yes. Star Wars because somebody said uh, their review was like, I can't believe the um, the dude credited with writing Luke, I am your fa father also wrote, hey lady, you want to F-U-C-K. <laughs> so, yeah, he, yeah. Wrote, he wrote Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and Raiders of the Lost Ark or yeah. co-wrote co probably. So body heat, as the temperature rises, the suspense begins. And it's true, Harper, the suspense <laughs> does begin. <All> right. <laughs> so uh, quick synopsis, in the midst of a searing Florida heat wave, a woman convinces her, convinces her lover, a small town lawyer, to murder her rich husband. What? It stars William Hurt, Kathleen Turner, Richard Crenna, Ted Danson, uh, Mickey Rourke, Kim Zimmer, lots of, lots of people. Um, and I ended up loving this movie because yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was a part of Criterion Channel's current neo-noir series, yeah. um, which I don't know what neo-noir means. It means it's not in the forties. It's That's all it means? <laughs> I mean, it's newer noir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Modern day noir. Yeah. So this is like 1981 noir and it's really, really good. Um. Because it kind of starts off as a romance. And so Kathleen Turner and this William Hurt lawyer guy is, she's like cheating on her husband with him. Um, but she's trying like, like he can never find out. We have to make sure he never finds out about this. And then she starts like unfolding her 
story, like how she's not happy and like how if he ever dies, she wouldn't see a penny of it and stuff like that. I mean, if they get divorced, mm-hmm. she wouldn't get anything. It would go like to his sister. Um, and then I don't know how much I should spoil because I probably won't spoil anything because I want you to watch it. Yeah, I want to see it. Um, but there's like, yeah, so the plot starts coming out that they're going to like plan to murder her husband and stuff. Um but then crazy things happen. There's explosions. There's lots and lots of body sweat. <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, I watched this on a really hot day and I was like, yeah, I'd probably murder someone they got in that, a heat wave they got too. That glycerin, that alien glycerin sweat. <laughs> lots yeah. of sweat. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, there's these all these weird parts. Like Ted Danson is another lawyer and they're kind of friends. And, like, William Hurt's character, he's, like, a ladies' man. So they're like, who are you sleeping with now? But he's, like, not telling them anything about Kathleen Turner um, until later on. And then this isn't really a uh, spoiler because, like, let's just say her husband does get killed at some point. Um, And then that takes on the story, like, goes to a whole new level after that point. So it's very interesting, and I really, really like it. And I want you to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch it, too. I also really love Kathleen Turner in it. She's like the perfect femme, femme fatale. fatale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's really good in this. I think this was one of her like uh, first roles, too, which was crazy. That is, how old is she in this? Uh, I think like the earliest thing I've seen She's in. probably like, I think she was 27 wow. in this. Yeah, I can't, I don't know the earliest thing I've seen her in, like, maybe Friends? Yeah. Friends or uh, Virgin Suicides. Virgin Suicides, like, mid-2000s, right? Or 99-something. Yeah, because we've seen her in, like, Serial Mom and Friends. Friends, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so funny to me, because in Friends, she's, like, supposed to play, like, a trans uh, woman. uh, (laughs) But she's, like so sultry in this movie it's like that's such an interesting role they gave her um but unlike no sudden move they actually like every single character does kind of have like they're like a small piece of the bigger puzzle and so i really like thinking back of all the little things that start adding up when you find out like in the end everything that's cool i definitely want to watch this it sounds cool i'll rewatch it with you if you want yeah. Before Criterion gets rid of it. Because <laughs> I always thought it was just like, I don't know, just like a horny romance movie or something. I didn't realize it actually was like more of a thriller, I guess. Has anybody put out like a cool Blu-ray of this thing? I'm not sure. It looked really good on the Criterion yeah. streaming. No, it looks like it's just like a generic Blu-ray. Huh. Yeah. And Mickey Rourke's super young in it. Yeah. I love the young Mickey yeah. Rourke. He's always awesome. And Ted Danson is very like... I don't know, bubbly in this he wear, movie. Does he wear blackface in this one? <laughs> no, he does. Why would he wear blackface? In real life, when he was dating Whoopi Goldberg. What? You know about that? No. <laughs> it's like the main thing I know about Ted Dance. Yeah, he went to like That's a so Halloween weird. party with blackface, and no. it was very, very frowned upon. <laughs> no, it's so weird. Um, no, in this movie, he. Uh, he actually reminds me of Jeff Goldblum a lot. This like same mannerisms and stuff. But there's this one scene. <laughs> oh no! Are you pulling up a picture? I am. Oh, <laughs> why? Oh my god! That's pretty bad. That's awful. <laughs> How does he still have work? Yeah, oh man. Bad. 
Well, thanks for ruining Tatanson. <laughs> uh, it was a long time ago. I think he's apologized um, a lot for it. Yeah. I assume. But, but his character is very, like, kind of weird. I don't know. There's a part where he's waiting for someone on a pier. Instead of just sitting and waiting, he decides to, like, practice a dance routine. Hmm. Like, it's like, I mean, what? I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to multitask sometimes. Tap tap. <laughs> um, so I give it four stars. I might bump it up to four and a half. Uh, and yeah, it's on Criterion Channel. All right. And cool. so far, every person I know has seen this as a woman. So you got to break the cycle. <laughs> we'll do. Hey, man. Yeah. I will break that cycle. It's okay to be in touch with your feelings. With my, my sweaty <laughs> <romance>. body. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, body heat. All right. Uh, so next, we watched a movie called The Empty Man. <laughs> and The Empty Man made me include it on the podcast. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Empty Man, I... Well, let me just say what it is first. Uh, 2020, I'm calling this a 2021 movie, once again. <laughs> yeah, all of this, we're just calling it. <laughs> um, Body Heat, 2021. <laughs> sure. Uh, the Empty Man came out this year, more or less, uh, directed by David Pryor, who is funny, when I was looking him up, he's mostly known... He's mostly done um, behind-the-scenes stuff for Fincher movies, like both like inter- like interview kind of stuff for like DVDs, but also like promotional stuff, like when they made um, uh, stuff for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, like in-universe stuff, yeah. like the news network that she works for and stuff. Um, he made that, so you can tell definitely there's like a Fincher. He's definitely got a Fincher style um, into the camera work. But anyways, Empty Man is basically like a creepypasta urban legend kind of thing. At least that's the way it starts is it's like, uh, these teens, there's like a thing where if you blow, blow on a bottle, if you find an empty bottle on a bridge and blow on it and think of the empty man on the first night, he'll, you'll hear him on the second night. You'll see him. And on the third night, he will kill you. Candyman, candyman, candyman. Yeah. So very like, yeah, Candyman, urban legend, creepypasta kind of thing. But there's also the movie starts with this whole, this movie's, Long, very long for a horror movie, mm-hmm. for a mo- especially a modern horror. It's two hours and t- 17 minutes. Um, starts out with like a Lovecraftian thing where like these people climbing a mountain fall into this cave and there's like this thing looks a little bit like an alien from the movie Alien. Like it's the skeleton with like more fingers than is natural. It's yeah. big. It's all like up against the wall and messed up. And one of the guys gets like kind of possessed or something. You don't really know what happens, but then, yeah, it cuts. That was in, like, the 80s, 90s? 90s, I think. 90s, yeah. Yeah, and then it cuts to present. And basically, there's this guy who's, like, an ex-cop who's, like, a sells, like, security stuff. A friend of his um, who he has a complicated history with, her daughter um, goes missing along with a bunch of her friends. And so he kind of volunteers to help figure out what's going on because the cops aren't really doing anything. Um, so he's investigating this empty man thing, which leads him on like urban legend stuff, but also to like this weird, like Scientology kind of cult. Um, so anyways, the movie's kind of complicated. It kind of goes in a lot of different directions. Um, to me, that's the, the thing that makes this movie super interesting is it's not perfect. Like the movie's fairly flawed. Yeah. And if I've read a little bit about it since then, that they, they ran into just about every kind of problem they could have. <laughs> while they were shooting the pandemic happened and uh this was the last movie produced by 20th century fox because while they were shooting disney bought fox and fired the executive who was in charge of this movie yeah so they had all kinds of problems making it and distributing it because then disney bought it and they're like uh we don't like this movie we don't want anything to do with this 
So they basically dumped it into theaters for like a week with no marketing. Um, but now it's on HBO and now it's kind of getting some more attention from the horror community. Um, yeah, what I really liked about it is that it does, it somehow weaves a, a single story that makes mostly makes sense and works, um, out of all these different kinds of horror. There's like a folk horror element to it in, in certain sections and cult stuff, the, uh, urban legend kind of stuff, Lovecraftian stuff. There's all kinds of different horror subgenres kind of melded together in a in really interesting way. Um, it doesn't all work. Yeah. Um, and, I think that's my problem. Yeah. Uh, was that there's so much going on that I do think they could have cut back a little bit because it is really long. Yeah. And it is. it is very ambitious and a little complicated. Um, so I remember getting kind of confused at certain parts. And then like looking back is like, oh, I don't know if we even needed that one scene. Sure. It kind of, it's like purposely trying to throw you off, I guess. But then when you think about the reveal, it's like, uh, that doesn't make much sense. Yeah, it's got a big twist in the end. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, th- to me, the ending is a little unsatisfying. Yeah, same. Um, just because it's a big twist that's interesting, and then it just sort of ends. Like, there's not really, you don't really know what happens. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I think it's got great cinematography that's very Fincher-esque. There's a lot of, like, impossible shots, like going through windows and, like, there's a really cool transition where we're looking, you're spiraling down, looking at a map and then that map turns into like the woods and the road where the car is actually driving. That's really cool. Um, so it's got some great shots and I like the way it's edited too. It's got a very like, uh, so it does a really good job building up suspense and dread throughout the Mm -hmm. whole thing. Um, so yeah, it's not a perfect movie. It's not, I wouldn't even say it's a great movie, but it's a super duper ambitious movie that should be like a giant mess and it's not really like it's not perfect, but it's not a huge disaster. Like it probably should have been. Um, so it's, I would definitely really interested to see what this guy does next. Cause it seems like under really poor circumstances, he came out with a really, really interesting horror movie. Yeah. So, um, yeah. For me, I thought like, I kind of wish that the beginning was a little longer. I really liked the aspect that would happen in the 90s. The mountain thing? Yeah, I thought sure. that all of that was really cool. And I wish they had maybe brought more out of it or tied the rest of it back a little. Yeah, you don't really revisit more. that what happened there until it connects back at the very end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it blends all these things, but not in a... It does feel a little episodic. Like, it's like we move from the Lovecraft section to the urban legend section to the cult section. They're kind of separated a little too much. I kind of wish the urban legend part wasn't even in the movie though. Like if they had just, I think the idea of like having this weird folklore thing in the beginning and then tying that to like the secret society that latched onto that. Sure. Like that makes way more sense to me. But the part, it's like he's purposely trying to trick the audience into what's actually happening, which I don't think works overall when you find out everything that's going yeah, on. Yeah, I think the urban legend part is the weakest part of because it. Because it doesn't make sense when you find out like all these kids are a part of it. Like, Yeah, it's like it it's really just they yeah. were part of this cult, not that the empty man is really yeah. like this supernatural being. Or is it? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of confusing um, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, like I said. So yeah, if they had trimmed down a little more, I think it would have been pretty higher on my list of things yeah. to watch. I I still would recommend it because I think it's very interesting um, and it's pretty well done. Um, yeah, I agree. It's, it's shot well. Yeah, I like the music too. Um, 
But yeah, I get. I ended up giving it four stars. I give it three and a half. Yeah, cool. Now it's time for fire sata. Terrific fire sata. <laughs> fire sata. <laughs> Which you can't talk about without quoting Pride, really the Prodigy song. The song's not in it, but I guess it wasn't made. Drew Barrymore's the fire sata. <laughs> So, Firestarter came out in 1984, directed by Mark L. Lester. Mark L. <laughs> Mo L. Lester. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, what's Firestarter about? Uh, has a little Drew Barrymore. It's the Fury, except for the little girl. Yeah. Basically. Drew Barrymore can start fires. Slash X-Men. She is a fire starter. Her parents were both experimented on by the government. Yeah. Basically, like, they signed up just to make some extra money. Yeah. And they gained powers although i don't know what powers the mother had i think they both could just read minds except he could also like control people's mind he like pushed people right yeah maybe she could read his mind he could push people yeah and, and then, then their daughter more. has fire powers yeah did she have mind control too or she, something? yeah she also had the push power as her dad same ish yeah yeah so stars david keith drew barrymore freddie jones david keith Heather Locklear, not keith david martin sheen yeah i wish it was keith david and george c scott as oh my god playing oh a native american what's his name john rainbird oh that was like i thought it was like feathered <laughs> something even more like stereotypical native yeah. american. i mean rainbird is pretty uh yeah but based on a stephen king novel yeah um, it wasn't that great no, it's not. Well, it's kind of weird because uh, this. Well, this is a movie that the main reason I was interested in seeing it is figuring out what could have been because this was the movie that um, John Carpenter was set to direct after The Thing, and then The Thing was such a commercial failure that they took it away from him. Um, and it's funny because you can almost tell this you, could have been a Carpenter movie. Like it's shot on wide lenses and stuff. Like it sort of has a Carpenter feel, but it's mostly it's just kind of boring. It is boring, and it's kind of like we go from one place to the next to another place, but they're all kind of separate and don't tie together. And then the only part I do like is like basically the last ten minutes. Yes, those are the most exciting. The 10 finale, minutes. <laughs> the py- uh, pyro effects in the finale are genuinely really impressive yeah. and pretty crazy looking. Because I mean, this is all pre CG, obviously, so they're all very. She's like really shooting fireballs at people and stuff. And and it then, looks really dangerous. <laughs> I want to know what Mark L. Lester. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> told Martin Sheen when he gets so uh, excited when she like melts something for the first time because oh, yeah, he's funny. like did you all see that did you see that <laughs> it's I like yeah dude like that. we knew she had fire powers like yeah. didn't you know that that's why you kidnapped her <laughs> uh, the other weird thing about this movie is that it has a Tangerine Dream score. Oh, yeah, that was the other good thing. Yeah, which is cool, but it also, well, it's funny. I think I wrote this, and then I read trivia and found out that it's basically true, um, that it feels really generic for a Tangerine Dream score. A like, little. didn't feel like there's like a definitive theme or anything, and that's because they never saw the movie. They just wrote a bunch of stuff and sent it to mm. the director without ever having seen it. <laughs> so it is generic. <laughs> Uh, but I do like George C. Scott as a Native American for some reason who um, has a ponytail and he karate chops dude's faces in. Like, if I, yeah. like they made it seem like that was a superpower, like he was super strength, but he never did it again. So I, I think well, he's just also, like a Navy SEAL. He or gets something. super weird. Like, <laughs> oh, right. He's like, I want 
uh, he I'll refers to Drew want, Barrymore but... as like young, beautiful. That he's going to like know what to do with her when yeah. she as she gets older. She's like seven years old. In this, yeah, right? and uh, he really he's like, I just want her after I kill everybody else. Like, yeah, if if it's, it's like, not a pedophile um, thing, they should have made it more uh... clear that he wanted to like raise her as a daughter. Because otherwise, I don't think just... he did either. I think he just wanted to karate chop her in the face. Well, yeah, I don't know. It was really, yeah, you're right. It is really, yeah, like his like, end why goal. Then, yeah. Well, they all think she's like. Uh, they all think that she's like potentially going to destroy the world if her powers keep getting stronger or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty lame. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't know why we've yeah, talked about it so long. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of creepy stuff, bad stuff, boring stuff, uh, not John Carpenter. So I gave it two and a half stars. Yeah, I gave it three and a half mostly just for the weirdness. Three and a half? Yeah. I mean, that's maybe that's like, uh, maybe it probably should have been a three. All right. <laughs> Change it to three right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not a good movie. For sure. Yeah, I but it's not like it's not like a disaster two, yeah. of a movie. Like anything lower than a three for me is like unwatchable. <laughs> this is borderline. I didn't think it was unwatchable. It's just boring. boring. That makes it unwatchable. It's almost well, two hours. Yeah, it is way too long. I would too. never watch this again. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. You can watch it on HBO. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've been watching a bunch of Agnes Varda movies this month. Um, I started going through that Criterion box set, and I'm not going to talk about most of them um because some of them we've talked about before and stuff but um one of the ones that i really liked that i wanted to mention is a movie called daguerre Daguer- i don't know if it's daguerreotypes or daguerreotypes daguerreotypes um, well yeah i know the real word but the movie is spelled daguerreotype and i don't know if that's just the french anyways it's a combination of the word for daguerreotype and for something else in french um but anyways, it's a documentary that Agnes Varda made in 1976. Um, basically, she had um, just given birth to her second child, I think. Um, and she was commissioned to make a movie, but her uh, restriction that she imposed on herself was like, I still want to continue to raise my daughter. So I'm going to make this movie, but only as far as this uh, 100 meter power cable can get my camera. <laughs> so she basically only filmed in her neighborhood and made a movie about her street, which is rude daguerre. Um, also, just the button daguerreotype. It's still pronounced the same. It's just the it is a French process. Oh, okay. So yeah, okay. Nobody um, says the movie title in no, the movie. It's a documentary. <laughs> yeah, you think they would? No, they'd be like daguerreotype and wink yeah. at the camera. But you are looking at it like it's spelled differently. It's yeah, spelled daguerreotype. It yeah, it's okay. just the French spelling. Okay. Anyways, um, but yeah, so it's all about people in her neighborhood. So um, I really liked it because it's really charming and also kind of melancholy about a lot of the kind of older people that live in her lived in her neighborhood. Um, but my favorite thing about it is there's this part where um, this like traveling magician comes to their town and puts on like a little show in like the local. I don't even know, like the um, general store or whatever. Yeah. Um, and his show is crazy for one, but uh, it's really interesting. Varda takes all these magic tricks that he does and then intercuts them with things that just like everyday stuff that the people in the neighborhood do to kind of make this connection that like everybody does like a kind of magic. Like, so like the magician will do, um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, he did a trick with like fire where he, oh, where he like swallowed flame or created flame. Yeah. And then she cuts that to like the guy who puts dough into a, a fire brick oven and then pulls out a loaf of bread. We're all a circus man. 
Yeah, sure. Is that what she's saying? Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> she does one where like uh, he, the magician does this insane, crazy looking trick where it looks like he puts a knife in his arm and then pulls it out and there's no wound. Um, and then cuts between that and like the butcher, like chopping meat, you know, for the day, like cutting steaks for people that live in the neighborhood. Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting because it makes, you know, it makes it seem, you know, everybody has like their own talents and skills that make them magic. Um so yeah, it's it's really charming and quiet and interesting, um, and it's nice and short too. I think it was like eighty five minutes or something. Would um, I like it? I think so. Yeah. How I many cats like are it. in it? Uh, well, there's certainly at least one. I don't recall specifically, but I Just haven't seen any of her movies one? that haven't had a cat. <laughs> um, I like to think that she has like a crew of cats, and she just like yeah, brings them all of her movies <laughs> have cats in them in one way or another. Harley could be a director. Yeah. Oh, she's attacking you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyways, that's Daguerreotypes from 1976. I gave it four stars. Is that on anything? Uh, Criterion Channel. Cool, cool, cool. Thanks, Agnes. Yeah. Uh, and then, let's see. Next up, we watched, is it Lady Vengeance or Sympathy for Lady Vengeance? Depends on who you ask, yeah. I guess. Directed by Park Chan-wook, which came out in 2005. So this is a complicated synopsis right <laughs> kind of not as complicated as the other one yeah so this 13 year old or not 13 year old sorry this young uh woman is in prison for 13 years for kidnapping and murdering a six-year-old boy but you find out that she actually did not do it and she had her own personal reasons for why she confessed to doing it yeah and then she seeks out revenge on the man who really did it um and then that unfolds into something else where a lot of people may or may not choose to take revenge on this man who together, yeah, had maybe killed all their children. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's the third movie in the Vengeance trilogy. Um, I like it. It's hard to, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's hard to talk pause. about. It. Well, yeah, I don't yeah. know. This one and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, it's hard to talk about them, I guess. I don't know. Cause I don't feel like the story's not as like defined and it's not as, um, because it's kind of complicated and stuff, it's harder to kind of put into words thoughts about it, I guess. I don't know. Um, this one's, in, I guess what I like about this one over the other two is that this one feels like it has a little bit more to say about like, it's not just like, you know, every revenge movie is the same in terms of like the lesson is revenge is bad, but you should just forgive people. Uh, this one is less about that and more about the like healing and purifying power of closure. Yeah. I think it's like she gets revenge, but it's also not just her revenge. Like every, all these people basically get closure, violent closure mm -hmm. on this bad thing that happened to all of them. Um, and the whole, all the stuff with like, the white cake. Like, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, she's basically tricked these people uh, into thinking she's like a born again Christian in jail. Yeah. And then when she gets out there, like here is white tofu to symbolize that you've, uh, you know, that you've you're served, live a you're, life you're of pure again. Yeah. And, pure. and she just like dumps it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I like this one way more than the other one though. Oh yeah, I do too. That's what I'm saying. I like, this is number two behind old boy for me. Yeah, this one had a lot of cool editing effects, yes. transitions. Love those Park Chan-wook transitions. It was a little more comedic too. Um, I also like the whole like style, I guess, because you get like 
she has basically racked up all these favors from being in prison. And so you kind of get the backstory of how she helped these people. And then also the current story where they're going to help her now get her revenge. Yeah. And they're all aware of her like plan to get revenge too. It's a little confusing at first, but once you kind of get what's going on that like, basically we're just flashing back to, Oh, here's another person in prison who owes her a favor. And, and that's also how you learn her story too, is yeah. through those flashbacks. So it's kind of a complicated zigzaggy narrative, but it's really interesting and it works. Yeah. The only thing is that the ending does feel, I wouldn't say anticlimactic, but it's like, it's no longer her, her story. Yeah. So it feels a little disjointed with what happens when like, when she gets her revenge sort of, but it's not really. So yeah, it's not hers. That's alone, the only, right? It's like with all of his movies, I always like, Really enjoy half of it, and then the other half, I'm just like, oh, what does this mean? <laughs> um, yeah, so it's definitely a know. complicated movie. Yeah, I feel like this one and Mr. Vengeance, I feel like I'd need to see again before I really have like a very firm opinion on either of them. Yeah. Um, but I did enjoy it. I'd like, I like it. Yep, me too. Um, and it's available on... To uh, be in Hulu. Hulu. I gave it four maybe stars. Canopy. Uh, yeah, I gave it four stars too. Next up is a blind buy from mm, Criterion. Right. We got Deep Cover. Deep Cover. A 1992 film directed by Bill Duke. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jeff Goldblum, Charles Martin Smith, Victoria Dillard, Gregory Sierra. I'm trying to think. Well, Bill Duke showed up at one point, didn't he? No, I don't think so. Oh. I thought he had a cameo. Oh, well. Michelle, what was the theme song in this? I don't remember it now. I remember having it stuck in my head after we watched it. Now I don't remember what it was. I don't remember. Oh, it was like Undercover Cops on the 185. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg's yeah. premiere, like his first thing. Call it, call yeah, Undercover Cop. <laughs> 187 on an Undercover Cop. Is that a good Snoop Dogg impression? Sure. I got to wiggle my head yeah. while I do it. <laughs> it was like introducing Snoop. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't even Snoop Dogg. It, it was, was like Snoop Doggy Dog. Yeah. His full, his full. full Snoop Doggy yeah. Dog. <laughs> um, so Deep Cover is about a black police officer, Russell Stevens, who applies for a special anti-drug squad, which targets the highest boss of cocaine delivery to L.A. Cocaine. The cocaine. The Colombian foreign minister's nephew. Russell works his way up from the bottom undercover until he reaches the boss. So yeah, Lawrence Fishburne playing an undercover cop in the 90s. It's awesome. Well, and it's really interesting because it's not, we've seen a million cop movies where the whole thing is the undercover cop is like the guy, he's like the best of the best. Yeah. Um, And he like really wants to make a difference or whatever. Lawrence Fishburne's character is not that at all. He's like, uh, this is just the only, you know, I'm, I'm good at this, but I don't really, like he only joined the uh, police force because his dad got murdered. Because his dad was like a drug dealer, um, but like you know what I mean, like he's not like. Oh, I thought Mr. he did want to make a difference. I didn't think. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he did. Okay, <laughs> I didn't get that impression at all. Yeah, that's why he has this all like internal struggle because he feel like he's not. Well, he didn't want to kill he did, by doing this well, job. Well, he said he didn't, wouldn't never was never going to do drugs, and that was I thought yeah, that was true. I'm pretty sure he said he wants to make a okay. difference. Um. But yeah, as the story goes on, you he kind of realizes like it doesn't matter what he does, uh, that there's they're never going to like get rid of it or anything or really impact the neighborhood. Yeah, 
that it's being affected by. Well, because like the cops basically just want like a, a a big name so they get a promotion or whatever. They don't really care about yeah. actually making a difference. Um, but yeah, I mean Lawrence Fishburne is awesome in this. Uh, mm-hmm. He's super cool, and it's amazing that like he's just literally two years ago was playing Cowboy Curtis, and now he's playing this completely different. Well, yeah, this, he different. still goes by Larry. Fishburne. Yeah, Larry Fishburne, <laughs> really deadpan, like dry, uh, cool character. And you got Jeff Goldblum, who's like. He wants to make high-end drugs for rich people. Designer drugs, yeah. Yeah. He's also bananas in this movie. Yeah, he's a little over the top. (laughs) Well, I mean, it wouldn't be Jeff Goldblum if he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, the music's really good. The score's really cool. Uh, It has very over-stylized, like, color lighting. Like, It reminded me of, like, a Michael Mann movie in that way. Yeah, also had cool transitions, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the one character that I used my quote from the beginning of the episode from the, I'll be all over you like stink on doo doo. Oh he's a, uh, <laughs> he's like this super Christian cop. So that's why he says doo doo. They call him the reverend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a really, just an interesting character, not a character you see in movies, you know, not a, not a cliche. Um, so that was interesting. And he becomes like sort of a hero later in the movie too. Yeah. My only complaint with the movie that it, it does get a little complicated knowing who's who and part of what ring of drugs. Um, and I think there was one part where I didn't realize there's like one of the political people shows up at a drug deal. And like, I didn't even know who that person was. Well, yeah, they said all that up in the beginning. They show, it's show I know, but by the like two hours in, yeah, I don't fair. remember what they look like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like this a lot. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it four. Stars. I did as well. So, yeah, totally worth it. It has a cool Criterion cover. Yeah, it does. Bill Duke. <laughs> Mon H7 on an undercover oh cop. Yeah, and then you get your uh, typical 90s end credit song that refers to the movie. The movie title <laughs> in it, yeah. But I guess when you're Bill Duke, you are friends with Dr. Dre and Snoopy. <laughs> Snoopy. Snoopy. <laughs> Snoopy Doggy Dog. <laughs> Oh boy. What? Snoopy doggy dog. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by white people. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, next, we watched a new movie called Horror Wolves Within uh, from this year, directed by Josh Rubin, um, starring Sam Richardson. Uh, Milana Weintraub, George Basil, a bunch of people you'd recognize, but you won't know their names, basically, right? Yeah. I don't know any of these names, but I recognized a lot of people as like character actors. Uh, the guy who plays Guillermo on, mm-hmm. uh, why can't I never remember the name well, of that we show? Well, we do the shadows. Well, we do the shadows. Oh my God, Harper. I was going to say dark, uh, <laughs> dark shadows and that's obviously not right. Anyways, um, so it's a movie about a new like forest ranger who shows up to this weird town in Alaska, right? Somewhere like that? No, it's like in the west. Anyways, very snowy remote location. Um and basically on his first day there, uh he the like the power gets cut and they find a dead body and it, they suspect that there is a werewolf among them. Uh it's apparently based on a video game I had never heard of before. Um but anyways, what did you think about Werewolves Within? Uh, it was okay. Yeah. 
this episode is getting boring. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a movie. Um, so I kind of kept thinking back to whatever that Snow Hollow, Werewolves of Snow Hollow. Yeah. Um, I think this was a little more enjoyable than that movie, so it was more comedic, but I don't think the lines always stuck, um, so the humor was a little off from what I like, and I think the cast, for the most part, it was a good group cast, but like we said, it's all just like, oh, it's that person from so-and-so. Bunch of character actors. Yeah, so nobody really stood out that much. Oh, except what's his name? The guy from True Detective, the, uh... Spaghetti face man. Oh, he's barely in it though. Yeah, but he was like the best person he's character. Good. <laughs> um, and then it's kind of like a who done it. So uh, I don't know. I guess I thought it was going one direction, and then it kind of went a different direction. And yeah. So yeah. And then there's like the actual werewolf design. Not sure if I was crazy about yeah. it. Yeah. There's a little lackluster in my opinion. I kind of agree. Well, plus you don't really see a transformation, which is like if you're the gonna do a werewolf point. movie, that yeah. is like the whole point. Um yeah, I I I think I thought it was funnier than you did. Uh it's at least in the first half, like up until like all the way through when they're all stuck in the the big lodge, uh, and then they separate. Mm-hmm. All up until that point, I was like, this is great. Mm-hmm. Like, I was really enjoying it. I thought it was genuinely really funny. I liked a lot of the characters. And then they all just sort of split up. And then from there on, it's like, kill, 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 kill. Like, yeah. people, like three people die in the span of like 45 seconds, literally. And it was like, well, wow, that built up to nothing. <laughs> That's kind of what um, I think the issue is. Yeah, the pacing in the last like 30 minutes it. was a really messy. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that just is really weird to me. This movie was clearly like a pretty hard R-rated movie in terms of like language and stuff. And then every time there was like a gore, like a gory uh, attack or whatever, like they didn't show anything. Yeah. There's like a dead body you see. That everybody's like. see like pieces of people getting eaten. And they're all like disgusted by what they see, except we never get to see it. And it's like, guys, this is like an R-horror movie. Like, why are we not looking at Like, this is the whole point. (laughs) Yeah. So for a werewolf movie, it's super tame on like, both the transformation and the gore, which is kind of yeah. lame. A little lame. Um, I do. I like, I, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but I did, I did like the twist. I thought it was kind of interesting. Well, um, I, I was going to say, like, I don't know if I could say what I was thought was going to happen without yeah. giving away the twist. Yeah. It definitely <laughs> did not go in a direction I expected. Yeah. Both, you know, for better or for worse. I guess I thought it was most of the movie would be like figuring out who's the werewolf and and everyone like accusing each other i thought that would go on for the entire yeah and time. instead basically it's just like oh the only person left alive is yeah the werewolf. basically <laughs> yeah big reveal yeah. <laughs> um so i only gave it three stars i did three and a half um, i think I thought it was fine. fine yeah it's not awful but i don't know if i would watch it again plus we paid to rent rent it um, yeah so agreed. I was, if i'd seen it for free i probably would have enjoyed it more <laughs> maybe so uh, yeah i don't know yeah. sorry josh rubin it's fine, whoever you are not as good as i thought <laughs> yeah what else has he done nothing really this is his first big movie oh, okay oh no he did scare me that was a big shutter release last year never heard of it so not big enough harper it's pretty popular is it um, any good? It only averages a three on that. I don't know. It didn't look up my alley necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Horror comedies that are lean more on the comedy end are not as interesting to me because it's too it's too easy. Like it's yeah. kind of they're all kind of the same. 
in a lot of cases. Horror comedies are much harder to grab me than straight horror. Mm-hmm. It's amateur hour <laughs> sometimes. Says the person who works on a lot of horror comedy movies. <laughs> Agreed. Well, yeah. What do you think I'm working on them for? Uh, anyways, so next up, another new movie. Yes. <laughs> we watched Pig. Which came out this year, directed by Michael Cernoski. What has Michael Cernoski done? Nothing. Um, One <laughs> sentence review. Not enough pig. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so this stars Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolf, Adam Arkin, and Alex Nina Belforte. Uh, and so this is about Nicolas Cage, who plays a truffle hunter in the Oregon wilderness he's kind of like a hermit he lives out by himself he obviously has a dark past that he doesn't want to talk about um or some sort of grief in his past that has made him come out here right alex wolf is his like only contact to the outside world and he sells him truffles uh because alex's wolf's character is like uh it's like a distributor for yeah, like restaurants for or restaurants something. in portland um and he has a strained relationship with his own father and mother um but then nicholas cage's pig his favorite and most lovely lovely basically his pig. only companion yeah He's companion so cute <laughs> super cute pig gets stolen by these crackheads uh and he has to come back out onto the real world and find his pig yeah so what i really really liked it like I think overall the movie is, it's good, not great, but, and, and like, it's a movie that I won't necessarily remember that much about in a year or two. But that said, I think it's really brilliant in the way it subverts your expectations. Um, because, and maybe partially part of that's the marketing and part of it's just, you know, what we expect that, um, you think, okay, his pig gets stolen. He's about to go John Wick on these guys. He's about to yeah, go out and murder I a bunch of people. It was, I thought it was John Wick with a pig. And yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised that it's not, it's actually, uh, Nicholas Cage being really reserved for the most part. Um, and it's, he's very much like a pacifist and like, there's this whole, there's a really great scene, but the best scene in the movie to me, he's at a restaurant and he suspects this chef has been involved with stealing his pig and he's, kind of questioning about it and you there's like this whole scene where you think at any moment he's about to like slam this guy's head into the table and like beat him to a pulp kind of thing like he's looking at him with like so much anger and basically instead he destroys him emotionally but also kind of in the nicest way possible like pursue your dreams yeah (laughs) it's like what are you doing with your life i knew you when you were young you never wanted to do this you wanted to open up a pub like none of this is real (laughs) like (laughs) yeah ignore the critics do what you want yeah do what makes you happy Um, don't become something that other people expect you to be yeah so it's kind of like the pacifist version of like john wick or uh, you were never really here kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like it's a, a revenge movie in which nobody gets hurt really, except for him. <laughs> yeah. He gets hurt a lot. He gets beat up multiple times. Yeah. But he doesn't really fight back. Which <laughs> speaking of is the only part of the movie I didn't really like. Yeah. So there's one part where there's like this weird underground restaurant, like fight club. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know what 
the point of the fight club is it's very unclear because there's like this one dude who is apparently like the biggest name in all of the portland restaurant scene and i'm guessing it has something to do with like if you win maybe you get some sort of cool spot at the food truck park yeah <laughs> like, it's know. really <laughs> it's unclear and it just feels um that whole sequence feels really out of place the rest like if you took that scene out the rest of this movie takes place 100 in the real world yeah like this could happen these people are realistic characters all this could really happen except for that one scene where you're like this is really weird this yeah. is like comic book cartoony yeah. like <laughs> There's not restaurant like chefs that are like you go to and you have to get like beat up with your arms tied behind your back to like, you know, yeah, get us get a food yeah, critic whatever. to come to your restaurant. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, maybe it was food critic. I don't know. It's really strange. Yeah, I don't I didn't understand it and it feels really out of place. That's the only yeah, my only there's major something complaint. missing from the movie explaining what that was. Agreed, yeah. But, um but yeah, other than that, I mean it's a movie about grief, and you never yeah. also really get any resolve as to what happened in Cage's past. You just know that he has lost someone. You don't know how or why or why he feels guilty about it. Yeah, it's it. pretty... Um, in passing, they kind of reference, like, he, I, he took it personally, like, why this person died. Right. Like, and that's why he kind of punishes himself by going away. They keep it pretty vague, which I think works. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it was definitely a lot more interesting than I expected it mm -hmm. to be and more introspective. And it's definitely, this movie's like a foodie person's dream if you're like it, big so into like fancy. I was so hungry after this movie. Yeah, we probably came home and ate like junk I food. I think we ate instead of like, pots. <laughs> <laughs> instead of like in the movie, they eat all these like very, very, very fancy, expensive yeah. meals. Um, so yeah, if, if you're a foodie, this is definitely a movie for you too. I, yeah. I'd put it in the same category with Tampopo for that. <laughs> But yeah, um, we needed more pig. Yeah. yeah, it's not what we expected, which I ended up being pleasantly surprised about. Uh, I gave it a four star. I did as well. Cool. So way to go, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Another movie we like. So how many renaissance has he had? Oh, man. <laughs> or comebacks? Know. He's had a lot of... Well, it's because in between every comeback, he does like four movies that are like... S-H-I-T. C-list <laughs> uh, movies that you yeah. would rent from Blockbuster back in the day. Do what um, makes you happy. Yeah. <laughs> or what makes you money. <laughs> yeah. um, next up was a movie we rented from the Videodrome, uh, and that is Road Games from okay. 1981. So I just pulled this up on Letterboxd, and that's a cool poster. Like, Yeah, I know. The poster's sweating. amazing. And, <laughs> this and must a, be like a re The poster's a little titillating. <gasps> titillating. <laughs> there is a erection nipple in it. <laughs> But yeah, it is a super cool poster with the gloves. Yeah. I, I always, I've seen this poster before. I always thought the gloves were made of like metal, like Furiosa's hand, yeah. metal hand. <laughs> so Road Games came out in 1981, directed by Richard Franklin. It stars Stacey Keach, Jamie Lee Curtis, Marion Edward, Grant Page. And Richard Franklin's done a ton of stuff, Most probably most notably Psycho 2 and Patrick. Yeah, so this is another what Aussie exploitation. Exploitation. I like saying Aussie though. It's, it's more exploitation. Aussie exploitation. I have the hiccups now. <laughs> um, so this movie plays a truck driver who's playing a cat and mouse game with a mysterious serial killer who uses a young female hitchhiker as bait to lure victims on a desolate Australian highway. It is basically rear rear window in a truck in yep. Australia. 
Lady, just because I drive a truck doesn't mean I'm a truck driver. Whatever that means. Um, and Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of like, she goes by Hitch, or he calls her Hitch. She's a hitchhiker yeah. who comes from an affluent family. The only weird thing about this movie is that they are both playing Americans in Australia. Yeah, it, well, it said that they had to, um, the production company, it was like a whole thing. The production company forced them to hire American actors to um for box office reasons and it pissed off all the australian cast members hated them i would because it was like they're taking jobs away from australian people i mean including the director you know was not happy about it the whole time i was very i was just like how i like both of them a lot a, a job as an australian truck driver yeah. when you're american yeah it's kind of weird stacy <laughs> keach is awesome i actually really liked him in this a lot yeah he's good um and then it has a cute dog i forgot what the dog's name is though it's a dingo or, well, it? or maybe it wasn't a dingo, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, what was the dog's name? I don't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, basically, the guy like has whole conversations with his dingo. Yeah. The dingo so ate his crazy. baby. <laughs> so this movie, for the most part, I really liked it, but there were some things that annoyed me, like the music. And I, like we'd really differ on that because I yeah. like the music. It just felt too comical. I, I can't remember it now. But it was too cheesy. It felt very... Uh, uh, Western adventure music to me. Yeah, it which worked. I feel like well, didn't set the tone accurately. Well, I think that's because we went into this thinking this is a horror. This is not The Hitcher. It's not a horror movie, I don't think. It's more it like says a it's adventure thriller. <laughs> I don't think, feel like... I mean, I probably marked it as horror just because it says People that, but yeah. Die. Yeah, but it's not gruesome. It's not scary, really. There's like some suspense. There's, actually, I would say the last third is pretty... Uh, more graphic than um, the whole movie. A little. Well, you never even seen anybody there's die. What are you talking about? Body parts hanging in the truck. No, there's, there's not a body parts. Decapitated head that oh, falls out. Literally the last thirty <laughs> seconds of the movie. But you see the the body parts Those hanging are just there. The pig. Those are pigs. He's they transporting pigs. pigs. Yeah, they were. Harper, there's anyway. a head that came out. It wasn't. Yeah. Okay. There was a lady's body cut in half. If you say so. <laughs> Um, well, th there you go. That's Trouble what I, paradise. that's the problem I have with this movie <laughs> is that the in the, the last third act is really messy and confusing. Um, because I spent the entire last third of the movie thinking, oh, at some point it clicked with me. I was like, oh, the truck driver quid is, is the killer. And he's, because he keeps talking about how he's hallucinating because he's been up so late. He's the one that's chasing this girl and she's gotten the guy he thinks is the killer is rescuing her from him and running away. Oh, yeah, it's very rear window yeah, in that aspect. Um, and then because I w ended up being wrong, it was really, uh, it kind of threw me for a loop and I was kind of, it ended up making me really confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like Stacey Keach in this too. Agreed. He's very natural. He's charming and funny. Yeah. Um, he's not creepy for the most part. I don't think he says anything creepy. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> Um, but it's very easy to see like how if you were a truck driver. Well, also, I think since he is a truck driver along this like one road going through Australia that you keep running into the same characters along the way. So yeah, in like his mind, too. he's like built backstories for everybody. They all have like funny names. Yeah. Um, and then at different parts of his trip, he kind of interacts with them and you figure out other stuff. There's uh, Benny Balls. The guy has all the like sports balls in the back of his car. Yeah. There's Captain Careful, the guy that has like the boat trailer who's like driving super slow. Sneezy. The sneezy rider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of funny. Fred Frugal. <laughs> um, but also the movie opens 
with a dramatic killing. I also thought the opening. Oh man, it's very the opening like, is really cool stuff, and I was like, this I is forgot an about odd style choice. Yeah, the opening <laughs> scene is super cool. It's really clever because basically there's this woman who like had just uh, presumably done it with this guy in a hotel room. And she's naked. You're seeing her from behind. She's naked sitting on the bed playing a guitar. And then she starts, the guitar's out of tune. She starts to tune it. So she keeps plucking the string. It's like, it's getting higher and higher as he's sneaking up behind her. It's really clever. Uh, Yeah, I love that opening scene. I forgot about it. It was very cool. Yep. Um, So yeah, for the most part, I liked it, but there are some messy pieces. Yeah. But it has some really good moments as well. Agreed. So I gave it three and a half stars. I did too. Um, uh, and next? I don't think it was streaming anywhere. No, we rented it from Videodrome. Oh my God, I'm so excited All right. about this. First movie, or not the first movie, but this movie is going to be talked about a lot on this podcast. Yeah, this, this is going to be the new The Shout. Yeah. <laughs> so, so buckle up, folks. Yeah, the next 20 minutes, we're talking about Pin. Short for Pinocchio. <laughs> From 1988, directed by Sandor Stern. Stern. A plastic nightmare. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> by the way, did you realize, I didn't? I just noticed it was on the poster, but I listened to a long podcast about this movie. The guy that wrote the book also wrote the book, The Devil's Advocate. Yeah, but Isn't that weird? I don't think I've ever watched the movie. And I don't I think have, I have I either, but they don't, they don't seem to have anything in common. <laughs> it's really weird. Let me read this synopsis. Oh, it's long. Oh, I'll maybe skim it. So let's see. A doctor has a lifelike anatomically correct medical dummy. That means he's got a penis. He's got a penis, people. That's not the important part, though. <laughs> well, well, it is. And debatably. It, it isn't. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, he has like it's- muscles and organs visible through his clear skin, and he's named Pin after Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, so via ventriloquism, Pin explains bodily functions in a way kids can relate to. So he's like your pediatrician's little teaching yeah, the doll. The doctor throws his voice to make it seem yeah. like the doll is talking. Um, when his over, when the over strict doctor and his wife are killed in a car crash, his son Leon transfers his alter ego into Pin, who he always believed was alive. He starts using Pin's. Pin as an excuse to overprotect his sister Ursula from admirers and deflect unwanted intrusions, even to the extent of committing murder. murder. <laughs> so, this stars David Hewlett, Cynthia Preston, Terry O'Quinn, uh, and some other people. No, the person, the oh, voice, Jonathan, Jonathan Banks. Banks. Oh my God! Yeah, this- so we didn't know before going into this movie that Jonathan Banks, aka uh, what's his name from Breaking Bad and I Better Call Saul, the old, older guy, yeah, the old bald guy who kicks ass, um, or doesn't kick ass because he doesn't have to. He does the voice for Pin, and it's so creepy. Oh, Michelle, my name is Pin. Yeah, that's I'm here close. to teach you about the birds and the bees today. The flowers and the trees. Uh, he's driving us apart. You, might, you need to take oh care God, of him, Leon. <laughs> I can't wear the clothes, or you wouldn't be able to see my vessels, Leon. Yeah, it's very <laughs> uh, weird. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. So yeah, this this movie ended up being probably the creepiest thing we've watched in a really really long time and very weird. This is 100 percent going on the 2021 yeah, Discoveries list. So We're gonna talk dark. about this one at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, it's really dark, but it's also weirdly like 
I don't want to say realistic, but grounded in like the real world. Like they always like the temptation. Now, if they made this movie now, the temptation would be constantly to be like, Oh, pins alive. Pins committing the murders. Like it's a supernatural thing. Or like, is it pin? Right. In this movie, anytime there's like a second when you think like, is Finn alive? They immediately like, nope, like, no, it's Leon. Leon is crazy. Yeah. So Leon thinks clearly, Finn has been alive his entire life. Yeah, it's a movie about a <laughs> schizophrenic guy, not an anatomical dummy. Yeah. Like, the anatom- he fixates on it for lots of reasons, partly because it was like the only way his father basically talked to him. Well, yeah, but- the parents are pretty much the bad guys in this movie They're both movie like too. neurotic weirdos too. Germ freaks... Uh, not allowed to have friends, not allowed to do anything. Yeah. He and, only has his sister to really talk but to. But more importantly, Leon is, sneaks into the office to talk to Penn, and then he accidentally witnesses a nurse having sex with Penn, the dummy. Fornication. <laughs> this lady <laughs> locks the door, gets it on with a invisible skin muscle dummy. Yeah. <laughs> She's got some issues too, perhaps, but maybe that's for the sequel. So yeah, little Leon gets traumatized from that point on and the rest is history. Yeah, and I don't really want to give away where it goes because yeah, I think the the circular opening and ending are both are really cool. Um, and yeah, this movie's just bonkers. The entire time we were watching it, we were like, what? What? Because <laughs> uh, it's just so crazy. Um, it's super creepy and very strange. Um, it also, it reminds me a lot of like a Charles Band, Stuart Gordon kind of movie. you going to say like your family? No. Oh my God, no. <laughs> um, I hope not. Uh, no, it reminds me of like Castle Freak and like the movie, that movie Dolls. Like it has that look, um, almost like a TV movie kind of look. Don't you have a weird second cousin or something? <laughs> I have lots of weird second cousins. What, Stevie? <laughs> Stevie. Stevie doesn't talk through a, a doll, but he wears the same jacket yeah. he has for the last like 40 years. <laughs> he's stuck in the past. He's pretty weird. Um, he might be a serial killer. We'll, we'll find out one day. Um, <laughs> but no, this movie reminded me of like a Stuart Gordon movie like Castle Freak or Dolls. Like it had that kind of TV movie yeah. s- uh, sampled strings score um, or even like a, a Puppet Master, like that kind of look and, and yeah. feel to it for sure. Yeah, this movie's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I really, I can't really stop thinking it. about Pin. <laughs> yeah, it's well, uh, your nightmares. Well, also because you feel really bad for Leon and Ursula, like they're stuck in this yes. awful lifestyle, and this is like this is the only way he can cope with it, and it's so sad because she kind of like gets out of it. She's not as bad. Well, yeah, when I was listening to their podcast, die while they're young. They like, pointed out something that I might, I feel like we might have missed when we were watching that at some point when they're really young, she notices her dad mouthing. Yeah, I think she knows from. Yeah, she figures it out early on, early. and and Leon doesn't, which is like they yeah. might have both turned out crazy, but except that she realized early yeah. on that Pin was not, and he's like, "Oh, what a thoughtful gift that Pin got you for Christmas, yeah. Ursula." <laughs> He like never gives it up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then it's it's very sad because she feels obligated to like she's the only one who's going to take care of him. She doesn't want to get him put in like a mental institution. Yeah, but she cares she's about like, it doesn't him. hurt anybody. Yeah, cuz they've been like best friends for life and then yeah, but uh Leon can't like, you, watch her well, grow Le- up well, and Leon, leave him. Yeah, Leon, it's like after their parents died, he to him it's like they have this little perfect family. It's yeah. Leon Ursula and Penn. And then also I think 
The oh, other I love great chocolate. thing about Thank you so much for bringing me chocolate, Leon. <laughs> the other great thing about the movie is that uh, for a while, you kind of think Leon is pretty much sane except when he's talking to Pin. But then you get all this background stuff with his poems and his writing. Oh and then my you're God. like, oh, he is like let, really messed let up. Let me just tell you. Yeah, really. <laughs> let me just tell you one thing he says. He says, uh, the passage I'm about to read is when he's contemplating rape for the first time. <laughs> with his sister. <laughs> yeah. And then it ends with him being like, oh and then God. she turned around and he realized it was his sister. Yeah. And then he like closes the book. <laughs> Yeah, it's so crazy. So yeah, you just it, the more the movie goes on, the deeper you get into his messed up psyche, yeah. and it's but it's it's su- intense. This movie is super unique, and like it, uh, it every couple minutes, I was like, I thought I'd know where it was going, and it kind of yeah. diverted in a different way. It's very, it's honestly, it's very psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, I got that vibe too. Yeah. So this is a nice little Canadian gem. The only thing, though, like I was thinking back, the body count. Like, isn't actually that much. It's only one person that gets killed, really. Well, three technically. If you count the parents, yeah. But yeah, like, I was expecting, like, a rampaging, like, uh, doll coming to life, killing everybody and everything. Totally, yeah, this is not a Chucky movie. Yeah. This is, yeah, it's much more, like, thoughtful um, and and kind of slow than you'd expect. Not that it's long. Yeah, it's definitely grounded. Um, So, yeah, I loved this movie. I thought it was great. Yeah, psychological thriller horror movie. It's great. I gave it a four, but I might even bump that up to four and a half at some point. I gave it a four. I might bump it up if we rewatch it because we got to find it first. Well, yes. Yeah, we'll never be able to watch it again. Apparently, we, didn't, we rented it from Videodrome. Uh, they had a DVD that is unfortunately really expensive and out of print right now. But um, apparently the whole movie is on YouTube. I don't know if it's like a good quality copy or if not, you but... find the dvd though you get an awesome menu oh, yeah, with cool. pins little eyeballs moving around yeah when you <laughs> click on like special features he's like Rrr. yeah eyes move. great so yeah great it feels it's a great so, cult classic that has not been rediscovered yet <laughs> and it is a great harper success story because when i put the dvd in oh, michelle God, goes yeah. what is this movie again yeah Which that's is like usually my, when i'm like what am i getting least, myself into my least favorite thing to hear and then by the end of it we were both just like bananas about this movie because like, it's oh so crazy God. is this going where i think it's going yeah. nope <laughs> it's going crazier yeah so yeah five stars pin <laughs> basically check it out <laughs> so that leaves us with our final movie another new movie because movie theaters are back for now Yay. for the next week before yeah. it shuts down we'll, we'll see if we still say the same thing at the end of next yeah. month so we went and saw the green knight which came out this year supposed to come out two years ago one year <laughs> one year hence <laughs> yeah directed by david lowry um so this stars Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander, Joel Egerton, Sarita Chaudhary, Sean Harris, Kate Decky, and a bunch of other medieval people. Um, and it's basically, is it short stories or one story? No, it's an epic poem. Epic poem, The Green Knight still, of Sir Gawain. I still Gawain cannot believe you've never read Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Yeah. That's crazy. I read it at least three times in school. I didn't know that guy was King Arthur. Yeah. John Harris. More confused now. Yeah, it's like the Knights <laughs> of the Round Table. Um, so you explain it then, because I haven't read it. Uh, well, it's been a long time since I've read it too. But yeah, basically, uh, Sir Gawain's like a young. In, I, I feel like he is a knight already in the story, but in this, he's not a knight yet, but kind Wyatt of, Sir kind of Gawain. wants to be. 
Well, I don't think he's Sir Gawain yet oh, in the movie. He's just but Gawain. Except they pronounce <laughs> it like Garwin. Yeah. Like I, maybe that's like the old English way to say it. But um, anyways, um, it's Christmas Day. He's hanging out with the Knights of the Round Table, and this big knight in the movie. He's like made of like trees like he's a green knight because he's like Groot. made of the forest yeah he's very Groot-esque <laughs> comes in and says he wants to play a game and the game is uh if any knight dares to challenge him and they land a blow on him then uh one year hence from then that knight has to come to his green chapel and receive the same blow whether it be yeah. a scratch on the cheek or a slice of the throat and so Gawain goes up there and kind of is trying to prove to himself, I guess. Him, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, well, and he like, cause the knight like won't fight back. Yeah. So he's like, all right, whatever. And he cuts off his head. <laughs> and then the green knight picks up his head and is like, one year. Yeah, and it's like a headless horseman. Yeah. <laughs> like rides his horse out. So then he has to go to the green chapel a year later. Um, and, to make his appointment with the green knight and his misadventures. Yeah. Basically there's a bunch of like episodic adventures along the way, which most those, none of those except for the castle are in the poem. I, I found what out are they? I mean, it's stuff he wrote <laughs> in for the movie. I mean, they fit in with the themes and stuff, but mm. they're, they're not in the original. Um, initial thoughts, Michelle. So it's hard to say because our movie watching experience was Tainted a little, yeah. I hate that by a really sniffling, coughing dude who would not stop. Yeah, I'm 90% time. sure that the, the couple next to us had the Delta variant, or we're getting over <laughs> it. One of the two, because well, the guy was con- he was like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like so the constantly. First, uh, 20 minutes where all the exciting stuff happens. I was just constantly saying, like Oh my god, we're gonna die because. <laughs> well, I'm trying to figure out if we should move. Yeah, and I was trying to like, I can't see the front. Yeah, I mean, like, we're so God, there? we're so lame. This is what we're talking about. But yeah, it's true. Yeah. Anyway, we ended up moving, and then I finally got to focus on the movie because I yeah. wasn't thinking about death. Um, and I really liked parts of it. I liked the cinematography. I liked the Patel. I liked um, the little fox creature. Mm-hmm. Like the music, and I really liked the last third of the movie a lot yeah it's hard to let's just say i don't want to give it away because the ending is easily the best part of the movie and the most interesting and the part that feels very much like david lowry's other movie we love a ghost story yeah um yeah there's this whole like epilogue that has like no dialogue basically Mm -hmm. not even an epilogue but like the last part of the story uh has no dialogue and like spans a long period of time and then you know you kind of I don't know. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that part is easily the best part of the movie to me. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, Overall, I do like it. I just don't know if I understand everything. That's kind of how I felt too. This movie made me feel dumb. <laughs> I don't know if it's even dumb. It's just, well, I thought it was because we hadn't read the story or whatever in forever, but apparently that doesn't matter. Yeah, well, most of the stuff that I didn't get was stuff that wasn't in there in the first place. Yeah, yeah I feel like... There are a couple confusing parts. I definitely need to see it again, because, yeah, A, like you said, we had a really distracting screening, unfortunately, so that's part of it, but um, yeah, it's a lot of the cool stuff that happens in the middle. There's, like, giants and there's, uh, like, a, a woman who's like, you must find my head at the bottom of this yeah. lake, and um, what was the other really weird... Yeah, there's, like, a whole segment... That oh, we didn't even talk about after we saw the movie that I didn't get where there's like he like sees maybe the green knight in the fog and then you don't know what it never turns out 
you never know what it is or wasn't. Maybe just um, reminding him he's on his quest. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get why um, uh, the woman at the castle was also played by Alicia Vikander and why he never commented on that. Like, it's very strange. Well, he did like a double take. Did he? Yeah. When he first saw her, the he, one was he like, like say he something. was like making eyes like, because she was with her husband. I guess. So was, I think he was just being. If um, they had like done a makeup thing where she looked like a little different. Well, she I, had long hair. I guess, but like it's clearly the same person. she was not person. a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, but it was clearly the same actress. Yeah. Like it's just, it was just, uh, it was more distracting to me than anything. I actually anything. liked her though because she invented photography. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I like that part. Yeah, so that's the thing is like, I feel like of all the little episodic things in the middle, visually, I was like all of these I'm remembering remembering memorably oh my god <laughs> a lot of m's <laughs> i'm remembering fondly like that was cool that was cool yeah. that was cool but then as soon as we came out of the theater i was just like i don't really understand what that part was about yeah um, so i think the strongest parts are the beginning and the end and yeah. in the middle is where we're struggling but i think it has a lot to do with the character development and kind of like sure. i have to like i have to do these different obstacles to get to the end or whatever yeah except I, he doesn't really have to do them well, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I need. I definitely would like to see it again, whether, whether that's in theaters or, or later. Um, I'd like to see it again. To, yeah. So, I, I mean, we just saw this last night. I haven't written my review yet because I'm still kind of not sure how I feel about it, to be honest. There was another scene that I liked, which I kind of wish they had done more when he gets tied up and he's left on the floor. Floor, forest floor and mm-hmm. they do that whole 360. I didn't understand that either. <laughs> I thought it meant like it was showing like if he doesn't do anything this is how he's gonna die Yeah, and then he decides to do something so it goes back and he like struggles to break free or whatever but that's the only time they did that well until like later on I guess so I was hoping they would have more of that throughout. Yeah like maybe it was like yeah and maybe that's kind of the key to understanding some of this other stuff is like Maybe that was his perspective, like, oh, this is what would happen yeah. if I just gave up right now. I think that's what that was. Yeah. So maybe 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 going into it with that perspective, I'd understand some of the other bits. Like what yeah. what them giants with breasts were doing walking around. The only thing I could think of with the giants is that he was asking them to carry him to his destination. And then the wolf was like, No, he has to do this on his own. I um, mean the fox. I yeah. think the fox was like <laughs> Yeah, and then the giants were like, Arr! <laughs> yeah, basically. So that was the only thing that I could think of with the giants. He's just like, yeah, that's hey, good... you're huge. Take me with you. You're going north. You do all the work. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good interpretation. I didn't think about but that. But that was like only two minutes in the movie. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that, you're, you're changing, convincing me. Well, yeah. I think the problem is like you have to break each part into its own little story. And then you think of the theme for that and like, what's yeah, the moral yeah, yeah. here? And then, yeah. Yeah, I'm usually not a big fan of episodic storytelling in movies. Yeah, this had a actually had a complaint. I could barely read the title. Yeah, there was one of them, the one at the castle. I was just like, I what does was, that say? I think I figured out right before it disappeared. It was an exchange of winnings, but it was very hard to read because it was white on like a light background and like very like you know yeah. flowery letters. <laughs> I was, yeah, it was when I, that the movie started. I was like, oh no. There were a lot. <laughs> oh no. There were a lot of inner titles, um, which I didn't mind that, but yeah. I didn't mind it either, but I wish I had known what they said. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. That was the only one I struggled with, but yeah, I totally understand. (laughs) Um, I think I'll probably give this a 
four probably. I gave it four. I'm going to percolate on it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. And see if we rewatch it, I'd probably enjoy it. We'll go it see more. it right now tonight after we finish the podcast and then we'll report back. The other thing <laughs> is that everybody else loves it, so I feel obligated yeah. to like, oh, maybe I need to sit and think about it. Maybe that's it part more. of it too. Is the reviews <laughs> have been so stellar that going into it, my expectations were super, super high. And maybe they did explain everything in the first 20 minutes. That's true. Maybe we, we missed, missed yeah. it. Why is his mom... A witch? Yeah. Maybe. Did she summon the night? I think she did. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But anyways, um, yeah, so that's the green night. Yep. Um, so that wraps up our movie roundup. <laughs> um, so now we're gonna move on to talking about some trailers. Cause it's one late seven on an undercover car. Yeah, and you don't stop. Cause it's one late seven on an undercover car. Creep with me as I crawl through the hood. Maniac lunatic calling Snoop Eastwood. Kicking dust as I bust fuck peace. And the mother can fuck police. You already know I give a fuck about a cop. So why in the fuck would you think that it would stop? Plot. Yeah, that's what we's about to do. Trailer trash talk. No, that's not it. That's that's the one. I'm all like talking yeah. trailers. Trailer trash talk is this uh, science sort of thing. What, what do we decide we're calling talk, ours? I thought it was talking trailers, talking like trailers. talking beards. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> if listeners, if you know what talking beards is, yeah. call in and let us know, and we'll talk in trailers. Your with mom you. should know. Yeah. Your mom should know. Yeah. <laughs> that's for real. She should know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, boy, tell us is going off the rails. Okay. Let's talk so, about some trailers. There have been some interesting trailers, both good and evil. Trailer. <laughs> this, this month. Evil. What's yeah. evil? Good and evil. Good is evil, Michelle. Okay. Remember? Um, Remember? No. Good is evil. What was that from? Fear Street. I was going to say Pin. <laughs> I wish. Everything should be from Pin. Um, so the first trailer up is Doom. Ah! So if you've seen the trailer, <laughs> that's what the music sounds like. Yeah. Ah. Ah. <laughs> so Dune <laughs> should have come out last year. Ever. It's already had like three date changes supposed to come out this year in October now. I thought it was Christmas. No. Remember, this was one of those three <sighs> movies that was going to come out on the same day. And everybody was like, that's insane. I think. And I think Isn't now they're it still coming out on the same day. I At least one of those movies got moved for sure. Dune. October 12th, right? Yeah, this was one of the days where everything comes out. Um, so this is an adaptation of Frank Herbert's sci-fi Herbert. novel about the son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and most vital element in the galaxy. Spice. Yeah. So this is sci-fi film, stars Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. <laughs> Chalamet. Rebecca Ferguson. Zendaya. She doesn't have a last name. <laughs> Zen Daya. Our man, Jason Momoa, yeah. uh, David Dasmalshian, Josh Brolin, oh, Oscar Isaac and his beard. Alexander There's a lot of talk smart, smart. about the Dune beard. Huh. Um, Dave Bautista, Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan, not yeah. Alexander. Harvey R. Bardem, Charlotte Did Ramping. we ever see Harvey Bardem in the trailer or not? I think he has a mask hoodie thing on okay. so you can't really oh, tell it's him. who was it when we just were watched the trailer a little bit ago who did who was i like is that such and such i just named like everyone i don't yeah. know i don't remember who it was now i'll look at i'll see if i can figure it out while you talk for a sec um so the trailer itself 
I think it does an okay job of ex- kind of setting up like, okay, it's this weird alien world and it's kind of like a class war maybe or a race war. Race um, war. Yeah, race war. Uh, and it definitely has Dennis Villeneuve's style. For it's sure. It's a little... I'm a little worried. He keeps getting darker and darker, like tonality wise, um, because it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried future sci-fi movies, you're not going to be able to see anything going on because he's like too busy throwing sand in the <laughs> camera and like having all the lights turned off. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm a, I don't know. I want to see this in a theater because I feel like if we watch it at home, it's not going to have the same impact because I feel like his past movies like the Blade Runner movie and Arrival, it's all about the scale and like the you got to see the little details with his like sci-fi world and stuff. Agreed. Um, He spends a lot of time on his craft in production design minus throwing sand in the camera every two (laughs) seconds. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope we get to see it on the big screen. Oh, I know who I thought it was. I thought it was Space Jimmy Smits. Is he in it? I don't know who that is. Jimmy Smits. Who's that? You know, he plays, uh, he's Leia's father, adoptive father in the uh, in the prequel Star oh, Wars. No, he's not in that. It was probably Harvey or Pardum. Maybe it was. It really looked like him. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, and he's, you know, Dexter and all that stuff. But why do you call him Space Jimmy Smith? From it's a Star Wars Minute thing. Ugh. That's what I call him. Quit Space bringing Jimmy other Smith. podcasts into our <laughs> Sorry. podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um. So, what do you think? Uh, I think it looks cool. Um, I'm also not familiar with the book, though. I haven't read it yet. Um, I my only experience with Dune is sleepily watching the David Lynch version like four years ago. Yeah. Um. So, I couldn't really tell you that much about it. Um. I think it looks really cool. Uh, I think most of the cast is really cool. I hope Jason Moe is not in it a whole lot because it seems like even in this, even in the goddamn trailer, all he does is say, my boy. Well, I'm a little worried they're <laughs> pushing Zendaya, Timothy Chalamet, and Jason Momoa like they only want young people to come see Agreed. this. Like they're t- well, and that could just be the trailer. Like They're like, please, God, let like anybody, anybody under 40 come see this movie. <laughs> it could be. I feel like the uh, draw Although for this movie is this super is- small. This is like half the cast has been in Marvel D- Disney movies. That's well, yeah. weird. I mean, who hasn't at this point? That's true. Um, I yeah, want some I I think it looks cool. I also movies. confused. <laughs> I I don't and I, this is just me not being in the loop. Maybe that I know a long time ago when it was first announced, everybody was like, "Oh, is this just going to be Dune Part One?" And if oh. it, then they'll finish it because it's like, oh yeah, I do kind of remember that. Yeah, because it seems hard to believe that they'd be able to fit it all in one movie. Although I guess David Lynch did, but his, I, from what I do remember about David Lynch is, I don't know if you remember this. Isn't there like a major time jump at some point in the movie where Kyle MacLachlan is suddenly like many years older and he's like tamed the worm because he's the quiz rack <laughs> set a rack. You know what I'm talking about? No. I don't remember. <laughs> well, anyway. I just like tame the worm. Tame the worm. <laughs> also, there's a big worm butthole in the trailer, which well, I don't like. Isn't isn't the line from um, that Weapon of Choice song from Dune, if you walk without rhythm, uh, <laughs> you won't. Something. The worm. How does it go? I don't know. Oh, my God. You say you me feel like I'm crazy. You are crazy. Walk without rhythm. <laughs> Track the worm. I'm pretty sure that is from Dune, and then they used it in that Fat Boy Slim That's, song. Oh, the Christopher Walken yeah. one? Yeah. so they should play that song in the movie is what i'm saying uh anyways so jason no i think josh brolin has to teach timothy chalamet how to walk the worm yeah i like jason do the worm 
do the worm. Walk the worm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Tame the worm. And then Zendaya is all like doing her euphoria thing. Like, I'm Zendaya. Look Michelle's at my biggest eyes. complaint about this movie. <laughs> what? Is that the main character's name is Paul. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> it's so boring. Like, Zendaya's name is like Shawnee and... I mean, your name's Zendaya. There's Lady Jessica and then it's just Paul. Well, I <laughs> Paul, think, come find me. I think I think it bothers you mostly because those dumb posters drew attention to they, all their oh, really yeah. boring names. Uh, I'm really mad at the graphic design for this movie too, but yeah. we won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to go see this. I'm excited to see it in the theater because... Anytime a new villain in a movie is exciting to yeah. me. Did uh, I, and you probably don't know, but did uh, um, Roger Deakins shoot this or what? No, Greg Frazier. Who's, who's Greg Frazier? He did Rogue One, Vice. He doesn't Zero, know about the night stuff. He did Zero Dark Thirty. He doesn't know about night Fox stuff. Foxcatcher. <laughs> um, I also yeah, love that movies. Jason Moa is apparently. Uh, under obligation to always say my boy or my, my man boy. or my girl. <laughs> oh, see here, this is weird. On Letterbox, Dune, it says Dune, alternative title, Dune Part One. Well, maybe they gave up on it. Yeah. Well, this movie's I don't gonna think do, it's going to happen. It's going to do terrible. So they're like, this movie oh has God, an extremely so small when half uh, the world audience. Died. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's what other trailers this month? Um, oh wait. Does it have a Hans Zimmer score? Did I just see it? that? In the, is that him going, ah? <laughs> <laughs> Composer Hans Zimmer, yeah. That's pretty cool. I he turned down doing Tenet for Dune. Is that true? That's what IMDb says. Huh. Interesting. Could be wrong. Who knows? That's cool. Well, that makes a little, that's a little bonus there. A like little Hans bonus. Zimmer. Ah! Ah! Hans Zimmer was too busy being a rock star. Yeah. Let's right. move on let's, to a complete opposite Yeah, let's movie. take a left turn here. Jackass Forever. This Kenny Rogers Jackass cannot. Nobody wins the dairy. I think that's how we should end all of our podcasts. Kenny Rogers Jackass cannot. So there's no director, right? I mean, just a bunch of dudes hanging out doing dude things. Jeff Tremaine directed this. Did he do the other Jackass movies? So this is. If you... He did do the other three Jackass movies and Bad Grandpa. Somehow don't know what happened in the early 2000s. There's a bunch of dudes who like doing pranks on each other. <laughs> Not even just pranks, but like they're stunts. just the dumb stuff. Yeah, Like stunts, pain, painful, stuff, stupid stuff. Gross and yucky um, and bodily harm. <laughs> Basically. Starring Johnny Knoxville, Steve-O and Chris Pontius, and we're not talking about Bam Margera because he's crazy. Uh, so I really, Spike Jones is in it. <laughs> really weird. Yeah, I really like that they've uh, framed this one as like um, best friends. It's like this very yeah. like endearing, like you know. I don't want to wait. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of awesome because it all it also appeals to all of our nostalgia because like like Jackass movies are dumb. It's not even really a movie. It's just a series of stupid yeah. stunts. Uh, but definitely some of the most fun times I've had in a theater watching these movies. They're for so sure. fun. They really are. I'm surprised you like them as much. Not because you're I a girl. I love Jackass. Because, yeah, I know. And it's, <laughs> it's awesome. I think it's awesome. I used um, to watch it on MTV <laughs> at nights. <laughs> do you like Steve-O's voice? Steve-O's voice is weird. It is. It's super. It's like... <sighs> 
Yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, concussions aren't good for yeah. you, but uh, Johnny Knoxville's 49, so he'll be all right. Yeah. And then Johnny Knoxville, his hair changes three times. He's like super gray and old, and then he dyes it black. Well, at I wonder some point. if they started filming this before the. Uh, pandemic and then they had to finish it afterwards know, or something maybe. yeah and then also unlike some of the other ones this one has a ton of like younger guests which yes. I'm guessing they couldn't do all the stunts including themselves. some female jackasses <laughs> I've heard uh, I don't know there's one in the trailer she's like tasing her tongue Maybe it's Rachel Wolfson. I don't know. But yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter I saying see like, one I know this is dumb, but it's really <laughs> inspiring to see a woman on Jackass. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a sausage fest. Yeah. Where sausages get hit in the nuts all the time. <laughs> sausages hit in the nuts. Yeah. Nut fest. <laughs> the bat fetcher trick with my teeth. So they kind of end the trailer with a giant bear attack, maybe. Yeah, the so guy's I like, gotta see what happens there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. And like I said, some of the previous ones, is it Jackass 2 or 3 that had the, the poop volcano? I don't know why. That is always what I think <laughs> Yeah, me too, because it's the craziest, grossest thing I've ever seen. Because I'm like, theater. oh, is that someone's butt? Oh, yep. is that? It's a butt oh. mountain. How does well, it get, I can't got remember, air? I can't remember <laughs> which dude that was, but that guy, he he had like a superpower. He could like poop on command. Yeah, oh, <laughs> that's a weird power. It's very funny. <laughs> so, but anyways. It's going to be a lot of fun. I don't have to see it in the theater. Agreed. Like, it'd be just as fun at home. I guess it would be fun um, laughing when it come with out? everybody. I have no idea. Oh, um, October 22nd. <laughs> yeah. Every, it does. All right. Everything comes out in October, apparently. So, we're going to see it. Jackass forever. I'm Kenny Rogers. I hope Kenny Rogers makes an appearance. Oh, that'd be... I would... I would <laughs> S-H-I-T. My pants. If Kenny Rogers showed up. The real Kenny Rogers. Um. So next trailer, the last duel. 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 Where you I almost chortled. missed that one. Yeah. Oh my god. I chortled a lot when we watched this in the theater. So this is a Ridley Scott film about King Charles the Sixth, who declares that Knight Jean de somebody settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. Duel. Look, let's be real. The only reason we're talking about this trailer at all is because this cast Matt Damon and Ben Affleck look ridiculous. Even Adam, everybody looks ridiculous in this. So you have Jodie Comer, who we do like. She's from Killing Eve, but we haven't oh, finished right. the series. Yeah, she's probably the only serious one in this whole movie because everybody else is ridiculous. They just look stupid. So Matt Damon is in this. He has like a scarred face and a mullet in medieval times, and then Ben Affleck is bleach blonde hair, bleach goatee. And I didn't even recognize him for like the first two minutes. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God. <laughs> this movie looks like an SNL skit going yeah. on. Yeah. And they got Adam Driver running around doing something. I don't know. I have no idea. Ooh, yeah. it has your. Oh, wait. Is this. Never mind. I what? thought this guy was your least favorite dude, but it's. He just looks like Damien DeHaan. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> He's from, uh, uh, I think, Black Mirror. Yeah. Apparently, um, Ridley Scott has two movies come out this year, both of which. I ha could not have less interest in. Yeah, this so. and House of Gucci. Yeah. House <laughs> Get of the, Gucci House on the of phone. The Gooch. 
You're not going to Paris. <laughs> so yeah, I can't. I don't know anything about this movie because I was laughing the entire time. Agreed. The That's the only reason we wanted to bring it up because it was funny as hell to yeah, see so Matt Damon and Ben Affleck with blonde mullets. Not seeing the last duel. Sorry, nope. Ridley Scott. Nope. You're too old. Go home. <laughs> Let go. No, but it is the techno. <laughs> I think we're reverting we're getting, we're getting to punchy. something right now. Yeah. Let's move on to an amazing movie. Oh, this is a trailer. I was an A24 about. movie. We're all about A24. That is Lamb. What would I do? From the people who brought you Pig, First Cow, and The Lighthouse, which has a seagull on the poster. Yeah. Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> it is directed by oh. Valdemar Johansson. Can you tell me? If this is an Icelandic or Swedish it movie. It is Icelandic. Okay, that's awesome. I couldn't tell which it was supposed to be, but yeah, that's awesome. So this stars Numi Rapace, Hilmar Snarlgutnason, Bjorn <laughs> Hilner Haraldsson, and Ingvar Sigurdsson. Is that our dude from Metalhead again? Maybe not. Uh, maybe. That name sounds familiar. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. I don't think it is. I don't see it listed. Okay. There can't be that. Oh, wait, it is. I was about to say, there's not that many Icelandic actors. It just actors. wasn't like you might know him from. <laughs> I told you it sounded familiar. So, yeah. Wait, our, is it our Justice man, League? Ingvar Sigurdsson. Who is he playing Justice League? Where? <laughs> mayor. He's the mayor. Of what? I Iceland? Maybe. Oh, maybe where Aquaman lives? That would make sense. Mayor That's, of Aqualand. I cannot believe he's in so many <laughs> movies and that he's in Justice League. That's crazy. Anyway, I like this guy a lot from Metalhead. Yeah. We are all about Iceland, too. Mm -hmm. So this movie is about a childless couple, couple, Maria and Ingvar, who discover a mysterious newborn on their farm in Iceland. The unexpected prospect of family life brings them much joy before ultimately destroying them. Which the trailer is pretty vague, but the sense we get from it is that it's like a lamb that's like... A lamb humanoid. gives birth to a half-human, half-lamb hybrid. Not even like half-human. It's just that it's like... Like it like walks well, they don't on two show legs the and body. maybe like talks. Yeah, like it's unclear if it has like a lamb body. I think body. the body is a human. Is it in the shape of a human, but it has like hooves and uh, fur? Or, you know? I don't know. Because it, it's I think wearing they a little peacoat. <laughs> I know. They show his hands and his hands were like hooves. I, my guess is like the hooves and the head are a lamb, but the rest might be covered in fur, but I bet it has like little toesies. I think it's in the shape of a human, but it's covered like, in it's covered in wool. Because they definitely think like we can't kill this right, immediately. creature because it's so human like Well, why would they kill it in the first place? But like they have to like raise it as a child, because, not as a lamb. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then like <laughs> maybe the like lamb dad or lamb mom is like Ma. evil. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, Go away. <laughs> yeah, there's not much to go off of it's very <laughs> unclear i mean it says genre i guess look it says genre horror mystery drama but yeah. the trailer makes it almost seem like a comedy in part but with the creepy beach boys music it makes it creepy it's creepy when you have this hybrid lamb child i think it was just cute <laughs> <laughs> my guess is they can't have kids and they really want a kid so they're gonna raise it as a human yeah and since they live in iceland they can get away with it because you nearest neighbor is like five thousand miles yeah. away <laughs> but then there's obviously some like satanic or monstrous or evil something lurking around it's too gotta be. either either the child itself Antichrist, or like yeah, yeah satan something <laughs> creepy going on so yeah i'm super excited about this movie i think Me it looks too. great um who what was the director or did we vladimir see? johansson has he has no. done looks like a short 
Yeah, a four-minute short. That's it. Wow, that's pretty wild. My guess is this was filmed during the pandemic, which is why it only has three people, and it was filmed in Iceland. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. And you A24 right. was like, give me a movie that has nothing and doesn't need anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm really excited for yeah. Lamb. I'm also a big Numi Rapace fan. So Yeah, I think I like for the most lot. part, I like her. I like her in the dragon tattoos. I liked her in... Uh, Alien. Prometheus, yeah. Um, I don't feel like I've ever seen a movie that she's in. There may be some movies I wasn't crazy about, but I've never not liked her performance in a movie. Yeah. I think she's really good. Um, and doesn't get enough work because she's not like an American actress. That's Bleh. kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> enough work in big movies and uh, big movies that we get to see anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's probably the movie on here I'm most excited about. Out when of does so it come far. out? Oh, it's probably a year from now. It was just I the first it was trailer. this year. You tell me. You got I'm I'm, I'm pulling it up. It comes out. Letterbox doesn't have the dates, unfortunately. Where do I see when it comes out? It's at the very top usually. Just says twenty twenty one. I don't see a release date. Um, yeah, you're right. Doesn't have a date yet. Weird. The year's not there's not only like six months left of the year. <laughs> they gotta pick a date soon. Oh wait, when you Google it it says October eighth, but that Weird. can't be right. Yeah, that's really soon. Yeah, oh I'm well. Just, Whatever. Anyways, we're excited about it regardless of yeah. what it comes out. Lamb. All right. We got one more trailer to talk about before we wrap Talkin this thing trailers. up. <clears throat> um, so that's Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out November. Directive. Supposed to come out in November, but was supposed to come out like a thousand two years, years ago. ago. <laughs> uh, directed by Jason Reitman. Whose father directed the original oh my Ghostbusters. God. Therefore, he is taking up the mantle oh my God. and carrying on the legacy of their directorhood. <laughs> Look, uh, and maybe you feel differently, but um, I I have like no love for the Ghostbusters franchise. Not to say I hate it, but I like the first one fine. I like the second one fine. I even like the recent one fine. It's just mm-hmm. like, this is just a franchise that I feel like can go away. Like, I feel like this franchise only continues because there's like people in their 40s that are like obsessed with it. Well, that's why every movie. I mean, though, you're right. Lately, but like, just I, just, I just don't care. It. And it, yeah, I'm just so tired of the same thing over and over again. Like we don't. And and this one too is so like, oh, let's do Ghostbusters now. But like with kids, we're like a new generation. Mm. Like if you want a new generation of people, just make a movie like a new movie yeah. for people that age. You don't have to make a movie for uh, tweens that is also for people who are obsessed with the franchise because then nobody's going to like it. Yeah. Guaranteed, this movie's going to be and a mess. And they're still mess. catering towards the original because they have the little marshmallow yeah. man. They have it's either like, who, Bill Murray or Dan Aykroyd at the end of the trailer. You can't have your cake and eat it yeah. too. Yeah, the people who are fans of the original who are in their 40s are going to go and be like, YouTube videos, this movie's all yeah. social justice warrior and it's all you know, BS, like they made it a girl or whatever. (laughs) They're going to be pissed. And then the people who might be interested because it's like a movie about people their age are going to go in and be like, what the hell is all this stuff they keep referring to? Yeah, they got to stop connecting movies together. Like you can have a standalone movie even if it's in a franchise, you don't have to make callbacks yeah. like constantly. I mean, it's it's annoying because we fall prey to the same thing because like, I mean, uh, Candyman comes out next month and I'm super excited about that. But they're... And Halloween, you know, all those remakes and stuff. But yeah, it's... I mean, everybody has they're their... They're at least I guess, doing their own style on it. This is just the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. But 
everybody has like the franchises that they're like obsessed with and will be like, I'll go see it no matter what. The thing that just makes but me mad is like, it's going to make a billion dollars and we're going to get like six other of these. And I they're re- just going to be like, let's redo uh, underdog again. It's I, like, <laughs> I think the exact opposite. I think it's going to be a huge bomb. I don't know because I do like most of the cast. Unfortunately, actually I don't like Finn Wolfhard no, anymore. I, don't like him either. What the, I didn't know that was his last name. Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. So that's definitely a made up name. <laughs> He definitely yeah. changed his name. Um, so you have McKenny Grace, who we do like. She's young Theo in Hell House. Yeah. Um, Carrie Coon. I like Carrie Coon. Maybe. Now, see, all these people are just from the original. I was going to say, like, maybe Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray, but they're probably oh, just going to be, be in those YouTube videos they're watching in the trailer. But how is Paul Rudd not, like, number two on this? He's, like, at the bottom. Ugh, IMDb, you suck. Yeah, it's weird. <sighs> anyway, yeah. But I do like Paul Rudd. Um, so the trailer itself, it looks like it's geared towards family adventure. I can't tell if it's going to be like comedy, serious. It says comedy. Well, Paul well, Rudd, I guess it has to be. That's what everybody's all up in arms about, right? Yeah. People are saying that the original wasn't a comedy. It's like, are you guys crazy? Like, of course it's a comedy. What are you talking about? Yeah. It's a bunch of comedians. Who are chasing ghosts, like yeah, it is. Uh, and they live in a firehouse, like. <laughs> More importantly, I just I just don't care. Like it's just a I don't know. It's just people get so mad about it one way or the other. I'm only mad that it's like this movie. Just like just move on. Just make something new for God's sakes. Yeah. So next month we'll be talking about Candyman and Halloween Kills. <laughs> <laughs> well, with those movies, they've already continued though. Like Candyman does have other movies. Yeah, so, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's they just, never stopped making them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Halloween. But um, yeah, not. I don't have any interest in seeing it at all. It's not Paul Rudd is ageless, and that's all. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, so I think that wraps it up, right? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it feels long. I'm losing it. I'm definitely losing it. Uh, that's it for this one. But uh, don't forget, you can see a list of all the movies we talked about on our Letterboxd. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Spliced Podcast or on and Facebook. And Together. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, let us know what movies you watched this month. Let us know what you think of Pin because you've all gone and watched oh it. By the time We're just going to have a pin party. Pin party. <gasps> pin party. You think we can get one of those dolls? Probably. I genuinely, the the, the night we it watched it, when doll. you went to bed and I stayed up watching TV or whatever, I genuinely was like, I should go get our dummy from downstairs and set it up somewhere oh and scare God. Michelle. I was going like, to put it on the toilet or something so he woke up in the morning. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't. I missed opportunity. Um, we need to tweet at Spirit Halloween and be like, yo. I thought the same Start thing. the pin collection. Yeah, if they made a pin. <laughs> it's dummy. creepy even if you haven't seen the movie. And then it could talk. It could be like, oh, trick or treat, Leon. <laughs> Don't uh, eat too much candy or you might get a tummy ache. <laughs> that's right. Uh, candy contains sugar, which is bad for your tummy. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you soon on another episode of Spice Together. together.